Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Real Deal Talk, and you guys know how I do it here, and this guest today, so you guys know I'm kind of on this new little kick here, where in the beginning I had all these, my guests kind of pre-scheduled months, months in advance, and you guys know that my guest list is pretty much endless, but the way that I'm kind of doing it now is I'm letting people come to me on the fly. You know, if, if, if God hides, highlights someone to me, I'm like, you know what? This person needs to come in. So this guest is the definition of this because her name is D. D. Hayes. Say hello, D. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so D, check this out, guys. You're going to love this story. And you know what? I also like telling these stories because I want everybody that watches and listens to my podcast to, to take every human interaction and everybody that comes into their life, really take it seriously. Because everyone comes and goes in our lives for certain periods of time. Some stay for a while, some leave quickly. And I want people to pay attention to that more. And I'm and I'm and this is an example of that, because D, let me let me give you the story about D here. So D is a um, yoga instructor at Core Power Yoga. Okay. And check this out, guys. Yes, this meathead does yoga. So this is, this is where the story, so my wife for years and years and years had been trying to get me, you need to do yoga, you need to do yoga, because my flexibility is horrible. So finally, back in 2000 and roughly, give or take, let's say 2005, six, seven, somewhere around there, D, you can probably help me out with this. My first yoga instructor and yoga experience was Core Power Yoga, Pacific Beach, and you were my first yoga instructor ever. Do you remember this? I remember it, and we opened in 2008, so it had so to it had be, to be eight. Okay, yeah, the PB Studio opened in 2008. So 2008, so we're looking at 14 years because I think I went there right away. You, I, I'm, I could check your account and see when your very first day. Yeah, so came. let's 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 yeah. call it because, and here's how I found out about Core Power. Because first of all, she wanted me to go to Bikram, and all due respect, because it is you know, and I love hot yoga, believe me, but Bikram was like an hour and a half, right? Yep. And then the owner of Core Power Yoga came into our furniture and mattress store, Trevor. Trevor. The original owner, Trevor, which we're going to actually talk about. I wanted to at least talk about him for a couple of minutes. I would love to talk about Trevor. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm still upset that, because, and and God rest his soul, he's not alive, guys. He he, he died years ago. And I'm going to, we're going to, but not right now, because it, it still upsets me that this thing isn't solved. It's solved. It is. Okay. All right. All right, okay, so hold on. So D- Trevor came into the store, and his energy was through the roof. I mean, the guy was unbelievable, and I hit it. we hit it off, of course. And he told me, he goes, J.D., you got to come down to the studio. You know, I own a yoga studio. I go, bro, I've been, I've been wanting to go. And he goes, well, I'm like, how long are your classes? He says, one hour. That was it. He had me at one hour. I said, okay. So this was Pacific Beach, by the way. Uh, we lived in Kearney Mesa right here. So I finally signed up, and D, let me tell you how uncomfortable I was. <laughs> because what, would, what did the demographic look like in Pacific Beach Studio? It was like young girls, what was the average age, 20 maybe, back then when it started? Yeah, I don't know. It would be hard to say. Yeah, so obviously in Pacific Beach, the yeah, demographic is definitely correct. a younger group of people. Yeah, and especially back then because it was kind of a new thing coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's this big meathead coming in, guy, in the middle of, I mean, it was like 90-something percent girls in their, like, 20s. And, and, and I'm like, this is unbelievable, right? And and so D was my first instructor ever. 
So then check this out, Pan 14 years later, and you and I hadn't seen each other now in years, right? As of right now, right. we hadn't seen each other in a long time. Yeah. Long time. Long time. So I signed up for a hot power fusion because I'm a hot power fusion guy. I love the hot stuff going on here. Right down here in Claremont. And I signed up on a, on a day that I normally don't sign up on. This is like two, two, three, what, three weeks ago? Two, three weeks ago, give or take. It was, yeah, it was kind of in between uh, where we weren't wearing the masks. Yeah. Right. So it was, we had like a little bit of time. There was no masks and there that other came back. So it's been. I'm going to say it's probably been a couple months, but maybe not. No, this was actually because what happened was when they went back to masks. Because that was two months. I opted out. Right. I so said, I'm done. But we were in the masks for two months, so it was before that. That's what I mean. So you came in. No, I saw you after. For sure. I know, but it, yeah. we had an in-between. So yeah. when we were first closed, yeah. and then we had yeah. masks, and then there was only six people, then we finally got to take them off a year ago, yep. right? And then they had the other thing come where we had to put the masks back on. So what I'm saying is right now it's been at least two and a half months. Oh. Right? So you, it was two and a half months ago at least when I saw you come back. Okay. Because then you stopped coming again because we went back to the mask. Got it. So here's the, the moral. Now we're of free the, again. So yeah. you're free to come. <laughs> Here, here's the moral of the story. Yeah. As soon as the mask thing ended, I was there again. That's terrible. So hard. Ugh, it was brutal. Gosh. Brutal. brutal. Anyway, the, the moral of the story is I, the first time I'd seen D in a long, long, long time. And I had, I had just finished shooting my introduction video for this podcast. And the very next day I saw D for the first time in many, many years, it had been a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I was, and I saw it on my app and I was like, I wonder if that's the D that I, my first yoga class ever in history, 14, 15 years ago, whatever, 14 years ago. Sure enough, I walk in, JD, oh my gosh, yay. And so here's, here's the thing that clinched it for me. And so we're in class, we do our thing, it's hot as hell in there. And Dee Dee's starts firing away um, after class. Well, before class, she'd like, Dee's, and you'll see what I'm saying here. She's very spiritual, cosmic. I love what she gets when she gets flowing here, which is, so at the end of the class, she says something like, to the effect, and, and we're all in, uh, what's it, Shavasana, Shavasana, we're Shavasana, and she starts flowing again. She goes, she goes guys, and listen, someday you're, you're, you know, this life's gonna be, this life as we know it's gonna be over. You're not gonna be here anymore. You're not, you're not gonna be alive. This life, what? And I said, I'll be damned. I just said that on my podcast yesterday, and I hadn't heard anybody say it like that. And after class, I said, this was like a highlight to me. I said, D, I just launched the podcast. I was like, oh, great, cool. I said, I would love for you to come on it just because you just said something that was in within 24 hours and I hadn't seen her years. So anyway, guys, I'm telling this long story because I want everybody to really take it seriously when people come and go in your lives. And now we're gonna, now we're gonna find out why she's in my life again because she's gonna share a story today, which is her story. You guys know how I do it. I'm gonna dig into her backstory. She's gonna start flowing. I'm gonna get her flowing. Right, I can't wait because we started talking in the, in the in the showroom. I'm like, no, 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 stop, stop. All right, so D, here we go. D Hayes, um, where where are you where were you born and raised? By the way, I was born at Scripps, La Jolla. Really? When it was down at the beach. So originally Scripps was down at where Scripps Pier is, and I was born there, and I was raised in Reseda. So Reseda. Mm -hmm, moved to Reseda when I was three. And Reseda. Reseda. You know, I down there in Reseda. <laughs> I think, I think I only know that. And correct me if I'm wrong. From Tom the karate, Petty. from the Karate Kid. Yes, Karate Kid. He he, he lived in Reseda, and also Tom Petty has the free falling song where he says, "Growing up in Reseda with the freeway in your backyard." So that is our claim to fame. 
And that's why you mentioned him. Because I love Tom Petty. You mentioned it that day in yes, class. I did. Mm-hmm. Now I know why. I think it was because I had a Tom Petty song in my playlist. And so I was, it sparked something because I'm still angry about how he died. Yes. Right. And so that I did spurt out something about that. <laughs> you did. I remember <laughs> now that you mentioned it. Um, okay. So Rosita, how long were you in Rosita then? Um, until 1988 when I moved to Pacific Beach. PB. So you. So let me just say that I was. Tell me. I was. I was. My dad is from Pacific Beach. Yeah. My grandparents lived in Pacific Beach, bought a house in 1945 on Oliver and Cass. No way. $10 down. Shut. $14,000 house. Up. <laughs> yes. So. Um, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. $10 down. $10 down. 1945. Pacific Beach. There was nobody there. It was a, it was a big marsh. Nobody wanted to live at, in, a, in a marsh. How many houses <laughs> were there? Not very many. The the um the family the Scripps family owned the so where my grandparents' house is it was called it was part of the family's ranch yeah catamaran that hotel yes that was their main house there so all of the houses around that area was really their ranch you know there was no houses and then Mrs. Um, Scripps wanted to sell some of them or something so she started to sell pieces of property so people could build homes unbelievable mm-hmm. so where the catamaran is now mm-hmm. was the main ranch yeah so as far as marsh goes what do you mean by that like it was just well the bay wasn't there right it was just flooded zone that bay is man-made so the the bay that you look at yeah. when you're at catamaran that's a man-made that was a man dredged bay wow yeah so it was not um it was just apparently they just had a lot of floods i don't know because i wasn't i wasn't alive then but those are the stories that i heard anyway unbelievable this is so cool already and so so your dad so my dad also was born at scripps la jolla scripps la jolla in 1935 or well he's going to be 87 so i'm it's either 35 or 45. I don't want to yeah. do the math right now. 30 to 35. Yeah. So yep. he was born yep. 1935, went to La Jolla High School. I think it was the first graduating class of La Jolla High School. No way. Mm-hmm. And the PB people were poor people, and the La Jolla people were not. So a lot of the servants and, you know, like the lower class people lived in Pacific Beach. And it was the only school in town, but that's where he went, and that's where he graduated. At La Jolla High. At La Jolla High. This is unreal. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy we're getting like a, a history lesson of of, San, of Pacific Beach. Yeah, because that's where I started. Yeah, I know. I've heard your story, you, and I don't appreciate you talking crap about our Pacific. What? Beach. <laughs> I talk great about PB. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, what, the you, fact that I almost didn't make it out alive. Exactly. And so that's the thing about Pacific <laughs> Beach know. is you can get in there and never <sighs> leave. You don't make it. You die. You know. Um, no, or no. Seriously, it ruins your life, or you end up in jail, or you go, wow, that was fun. Let's yeah. move on with my life. Correct. You know, and I feel very blessed because I love the beach and I feel blessed that I was able to call it my home. And I actually live on the same property now. So I built a little apartment in the, on the property that my parent, that my grandparents bought. You're kidding me. No, three years ago. So we would rent the house out and my, that would be income for my parents because they still lived in Reseda in yeah. the same house that we bought in 1963. And three years ago, we sold that house, and I got them moved back into the house. So my dad now is in his childhood house. You're kidding me. 
in Pacific Beach. Until death do we part. <laughs> no way. Yeah, because so, my dad's now 87 and my mom's 82. And so basically it was time for them, you know, to come and just, you know, chill out and, you know, live their best life, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And so they're both there. They're both at there. the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in front of your house. In the front. Mm-hmm. And this it's is just this tiny little house, that same house. My dad, my grandpa was very um, fixer upper, so he did add on a little bit. But it's a small house. It's maybe a thousand square feet, three bedroom, two bath. Yeah. Um, tiny, and so they live there, and then I'm in the back. Um, when I got a divorce, the money that um, I got from selling the house that we owned, I basically said, okay, what do I want to do? Because I didn't want to get stuck living in a place where I had like a big HOA and what do I do and right. la la la. And then I talked to my family. I said, what if I put this money in to the property? I'll build an apartment. I don't have kids. I wasn't planning to have a kid. But that time I was already like in my late forties Yeah. and my siblings have kids and the house is always the, the agreement is that we're going to keep it in the family. And so it'll just be passed on anyway. And everybody said, okay. So no, that's what and, I did. So, and so this is what you say, Oliver and Reed. Oliver the, and Cass. Uh, Oliver so and Cass. Oliver and Reed run the same way. That's it's right. It's Cass and Dawes. So it's right. There. Oh, it's it's a golden. So Oliver and because I lived on Thomas and Bayard. Okay, so you were one block away. I was one block away. Yep. Right there. Mm-hmm. So you were an Oliver and Cass. Yep. I'm trying to figure out. Unbelievable. This is or that's where you are so now. So you're you are on Thomas and Bayard, yep. right? And yep. that's close to where Ralph's is. Correct. So right you, behind it. So you come one street over is Reed, and then one street back. Reed away from Grand. Away from Grand. Got it. And away from the beach. So and I'm, one back, yeah. right there. Because Bayer, because you know it's alphabetical, right? That's right, correct. Yeah. Yep. So Bayer, Cass, Cass would, Dawes, right. Everts. Yeah. Yep, I still remember that. I know. Everts, Isn't Dawes. that brilliant? That's how it all should be. Yeah. Like, I'll, when like, I moved to Virginia Beach at some point, I'm like, I really miss my alphabetical street, so yeah. I can't get lost. Like, right. you know where you're at. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. We need to write to somebody about that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe this. So back in the day, in the forties, right? He goes La Jolla High. Okay, so so, oh, what what age did you say from when you were um, from Merceda back to here? So I moved. You back, said eighty eight. I moved to Pacific. Well, it was in eighty seven. So you were so twenty twenty seven. So I was twenty six because I may. I, I even remember it was May. First and my birthday's May thirty first. Yeah. So right before Gemini. I turned, mm-hmm, right before I turned twenty seven, um, I was dating someone in Pacific Beach. Uh-oh. I came back to the valley, and I was so depressed because I love being at the beach. This guy yeah. lived in Bay Park, and uh-huh. he had the most amazing view. And he was a chef, and he was really great cook. And I came back to the. He was state. in his twenties, also. Yeah, 30. he was the same age as me. Really? Yeah. And he was a chef and. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, and there's even a weirder story about that, but I'm not oh, going to go down that road. Wait. And then when I he, it, when it, I came back, I was so, I was because I worked in the electronic field, so I worked for a company that sold computer components. Yeah. And I was in a little cubicle, and I'm sitting there on Monday after being in the you know in San Diego, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this because I've always wanted to move to the beach, and I called my roommate best friend and I said I'm giving you my 30 notice 30 day notice because I am quitting my job and I'm moving to Pacific Beach and she said I'm going with you 
And I go, okay, well, start looking for a job because I already have a job because the job that the place I was working for transferred me because they had a place in San Diego in Kern and actually in Claremont. What uh, was the place called? Arrow. Arrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Arrow and Wiley. So there's a lot, you know, they sell Intel components. Yeah. The big shortage that we have on integrated circuits and components. That's what I was selling. Uh, I am not a good salesperson when it comes to something that I don't love. Well, no, I mean, not many people are unless you just well, have Well, there no are heart. a lot of people that did great. And I was really good at what I was doing, but I hated it. Um, so needless <laughs> to say, um, when I told Barb that and she was like, okay, I'm going. I was so excited, right? Yeah. And, by, and at that point, rent was cheaper at the beach than it was in the San Fernando Valley. Mm. And if you've ever been to the San Fernando Valley, it's a fucking hellhole. It's it so is? gross and disgusting. Really? And terrible. And I'm like, why am I living in like... Yes, because it's very... To this day? The valley? Yeah. <laughs> really? Take a trip down there. Oh, it's horrid. Horrible. Oh, my It's gosh. worse now than it was. When is there a lot of drugs? Lots of drugs, but it's just... Okay, Pacific Beach, you literally can <laughs> walk to the beach. You can walk wherever you want to eat. You can walk and do what... Back then, you could walk and drink, right? Of course. You know, back, oh, yeah. we were allowed to have an open container and walk around... I was living in the San Fernando Valley, which is very um, neighborhoody, suburban. Yeah. You know, it just was like flat and gross and boring. I did not like it. Yeah, at not all. good. No, it was oppressive. That's what I would say, and very smoggy because mm. we're in a valley, so it's all the the smog kind of sits there, and it was oppressive. And I never wanted to stay in the San San Fernando Valley. I always saw myself going somewhere else. Um, and so anyway, it worked out perfect. And when we started looking for an apartment, we found a place on PB Drive in Riviera. We were paying less money than we did when we were living in the valley. So we moved right in. Now the, so. You were near Rockies. I was near Rockies. Yes, yeah. I know that address. Yeah, I love Rockies. I know that address. Yes. I was, and I still go to Rockies. And listen, Rockies. if you're if you're watching, listening in San Diego, and you've never been to Rockies, then you don't even know what a burger really is. You must go. Right. You must the best. go. The, the best. best. The best burger in I mean, San Diego, Rockies Pub, and, and the French fries are delicious. Oh, <laughs> the fries! Are you kidding me? What? Let me paint the picture here. It's a bar. It's a, just a bar and grill. One little tiny little grill that takes forever to make your hamburger. They still make taking forever to make your hamburger. Yep. But what's the menu? It's a chalkboard on the wall that has two items. No, three items, right? Yeah, I think they do a cheeseburger. Quarter pound, half pound. Yep. And fries. And fries. That's it. Yep. Nothing else and on the, the menu. And it's amazing. Unbelievable. Because it's a dive bar that will serve you a really great burger. Oh, what it is. My mouth is watering talking about this. It's been years <laughs> since I've had one. I need to get in there. It's the bomb. Oh, okay. Anyway, so you were near there. That's where you found your place. That's where we found okay. our place. Um, her, we ended up moving. She got a job as the assistant to Joan Croc. You know who the Crocs are? Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. So no kidding. She was the personal assistant to Joan Croc. Get out of here. Yeah. Barbara was a very smart girl. Because um, Croc's huge in San Diego. They got well, a whole Croc Center in East County, like out yeah. by this college. Yeah. Yeah, no, wow. it's a, I think she's, she, at that point, she was probably the wealthiest person Correct. in the area. And um, How did she land that? Through, I think it was an ad in the paper. What? Yep. She reached out, ad in the paper, and somehow she landed that job. So I was working at um, 
at Arrow, but then I switched over to Wiley pretty quick, and then she was working over there. Now, this actually story is of why I am who I am now. Oh, here we go. So exact. Well, so it was that was in '87, and in 1988, um, she fell off a cliff and broke her neck. You, Barbara, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Oh my gosh! So which was it? Sunset Cliffs was it? No. So her and I grew up together. We went to uh, junior high and high school together. So we'd been friends for a really long time, and um, she is a Scorpio. So if mm, you know anything about I do. Scorpios, I do. So and she was full on Scorpio. Scorpio women, especially. She was. I'm quite, just saying. She was quite the character. Mm-hmm. And she started dating this new person, and he was a surfer. And they decided to go to Mexico for the weekend to surf in Santa Toma, uh, Tomas. And so she came home one day from work, and she said, "Oh, I'm going with Gino, um, and we're going with another couple, and I'll be back whenever." So this was. I remember it was on a Thursday. And I remember being mad at her. I was in the bathtub because I had just cleaned the bath, cleaned the kitchen. She was making dinner when Gino called, and she left everything in the kitchen and told me, "I'm going to Mexico. I'll see you in a few days." I go, "Clean the freaking kitchen! Like I just cleaned the kitchen. What yeah. is wrong with you?" And she's like, "See you later," because that was just how Barbara rolled. Yeah. Um, that night, so they pulled into their campsite, and you had to drive on a dirt road to get to the surf spot. And needless to say, she. It got dark, so they they pulled up. Here's a cliff. They had their truck campsite. They were cooking and having a grand old time. She said, at some point, I got to pee. They said she went around the um, truck, and there was a spot where the toilet paper was there, so she must have went there and peed and went this way and went right off the cliff. And then they were like, well, where did she go? Because it's pitch black, right? You can't see anything. It's in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, that's so weird. But he didn't know her well. So he was like, well, maybe she went down to party with those people down there or something. Like, he didn't really know. So he, um, at some point, he stayed up all night. He did go look for her, couldn't find her. He's like, maybe she went to the beach and passed out or something. And they had been smoking pot and drinking. Yeah, right. Um, and so when it, the light first came up, he had um, um, binoculars because they were there for, to surf. And he was sitting there looking down. And as soon as the light came up, he saw the back of her head. And went down and got her, and they, you know, and here they are. They don't really even know her that well. They're in the depth of, you know, Baja with a dead girl. And um, put her in the truck, drove her back to the morgue because she was already dead. Uh, She died instantly. She broke her neck. And then I got a phone call at 2 o'clock that afternoon from his friend that was asking for Barb's parents' information because Barb's in the morgue. Now, backing up that was the phone call you got that was a phone call. who was it from um gino's friend a guy that i had barely not met. gino met. no because he was in Tijuana. he was in baja so back then we'd have cell phones that's right? true yeah oh, that's there was right. no cell phones it was like you know <laughs> no we you were the... we had the push button then <laughs> wow i know and so but here's here's where my pivotal lifetime moment really came is that night so i don't dream I'm never, I'm not a dreamer. Really? I very rarely dream. Um, that night I had a dream that Barb came back. So what had happened was, um, I, my dream was the, I the got The night it. after you found she passed? No, the night before I knew. Really? She, I just got she, chills all over my body. Yeah, she had, she had already died. And um, in my, in my dream, basically she came back. So that's what I'm going to say. It wasn't a dream. Barb came back to the apartment. I was like, what are you doing here? 
And she said, oh, they sent me away. And I go, what are you talking about? And first of all, I noticed right away that she seemed drunk and high. Now, Barb is an Italian Irish girl who had black curly hair. And so it usually was just like wild. Her hair looked completely coiffed. Like somebody had gone, like she'd just gotten back from a beauty salon. Her skin was glowing. She was wearing a white tank top and white shorts. And, but like I said, she seemed high and drunk. And I'm like, how in the hell did you get back? I don't understand. She's, I go, where's Gino? He's still there. And I go, well, how did you get back here? They sent me away. And then she turned and she had a, a tattoo on her back, which she had already had. She used to be really into punk. So she did had a lot of like homemade tattoos. Yeah. And it was an outline of a map. And I thought, no, it looks terrible. She goes, do you like my tattoo? And I go, no, it looks terrible. I go, what the hell? Because it was just an, draw, like an outline. Um, and then, you know, we were kind of going back and forth. And I go, you're really getting on my nerves. Like, I don't understand. Like, you're not making any sense. I will talk to you in the morning. Woke up, said to my boyfriend who was there, I said, did Barb come back last night? And he goes, no. Got up, looked in her room. Nope, she wasn't there. I went to the beach, came back, and that's when I got the phone call at 2. Um, so they needed to get a hold of her parents. And When you got that call, what? what, what Devastated. What? took me were you like there's there's no way this can't be true i said it's not fucking funny like you thought thought it was you thought that they were just messing around Mm -hmm. i don't think this is funny at all and that's when he said she's in the ensenada morgue and that you know obviously (sighs) hit like a ton of bricks and so i didn't (sighs) even remember the dream then because i was in such shock and all of that and Oddly enough, Barb's parents had just left a few days prior to go from, because they were from Chicago, and they were going to their high school reunion, their 50th high school reunion, and they were driving. So Barb's parents had left, and obviously we don't have phones. There's no cell phones. Right. And now they're driving across country, and they ended up stopping somewhere, and that's how the, the people got a hold of them, whatever. These are Barb's parents that Barb's were going parent. to their 50-year anniversary. They were driving there, and it all happened. So then we couldn't get a hold of them because they were driving. You know, we had to wait until they were going to get to the ne- their next stop because I think they were stopping at their uh, a son's house because Barb was the second to the youngest. And like I said, they're – well, I didn't say they're Catholics, but they're Irish, um, Italian Catholics, and they had a big family. Yeah. And she was uh, the second youngest. So she had a lot of older siblings wow. that were already, you know, like set up and lived throughout the valley. I mean, through the through the United States. So anyway, that was how. So, I couldn't really figure out what the dream was about, but it did freak me out because I don't remember my dreams, and I was basically inconsolable. I I'd never had anybody die in my life. I didn't know anybody. All of my family, yeah. older people, no one. <clears throat> I didn't know anybody who had ever passed away. So she was the very closest person in my life. And yeah. we lived together and grew up together. And now it's like, what? No, you can't be. Can't be. Um, so it was very um, surreal. And the day of her funeral, I she came back again into my uh, sleep state. And we were talking like you and I are talking right now. Yeah. And we were kind of talking like we would normally talk, like working out our problems or giving each other advice. And the minute I knew she had passed away, the minute I looked and I knew, she started to back out. And I said, don't go. And she said, I have to go. You're going to be okay. I'm okay. I'm your angel. 
we or we were together specifically for this purpose and i was like i don't get what you're talking about i need you know this can't be true blah 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 so that was devastating oh, wow. so that's how i became an angel channeler <laughs> jd is uh, she wouldn't I, leave me I alone chills all over my body right now this is unbelievable yeah she wouldn't leave me alone when I would drive. So, um, I could feel her like holding my hand and talking to me because I was really um, a, a mess. Um, I'll be honest with you, for four straight years, every single day, I had to take time to basically just ball my head off, like ball my head off. And this and is 28, 29, mm -hmm. 30, 31. Yeah, it was my Saturn return. So if you know anything about astrology, between 28 and 30, yeah. you have your Saturn returns. When Saturn, the planet of Saturn, comes back to the same place it was when you were born, and that's when you get your grow up, get to put on your grown up pants. So some people get married. Some people have babies. Some people maybe have just figured out what their life path is. Some people have people that pass away. You know, you, you could have a really horrible thing happen to push you forward into the next cycle of your life, and you could have something super spectacular. My chart was set up for, you know, pretty gnarly experience. This is unreal. Yeah, and I've never heard this unreal. perspective. So, and because I've preached a lot that life doesn't even, st I say this all the time, by the way, and it just, this is just something I've come to because of my life, mm -hmm. that life doesn't start till 30. Mm -hmm. I've said that my whole, like for a long, like for the last, since I was 30. Well, your grown up life doesn't. So, because so you're, what you, you're saying here. And when you had your Saturn return and you turned 30, you realized, oh, yeah. that was that and this is this. That was it. And that's exactly what it is. It's just some people get thrown into an experience that isn't that pleasant and can't really focus on their future you know because they just don't know what end is up so this is a known thing saturn return that's an astrology transit for between, every person that between 28 and 30 the that saturn will come back to your chart how old are you how you're 20, are you? 20, 27 27 okay get, get ready bro yeah it's your evolution your evolution because at 28 I actually got my first real job. That's and then up in thirty was when my I actually kind of matured and met Rachel, my wife. Mm -hmm. That was it. Exactly. Do you see what I mean? She came into your life yes. to move forward in your yeah to move the energy forward. Absolutely, yeah. I call her my original savior because at that point I was. She's your Saturn return. She's my Saturn return. Oh my gosh, because this is when I was at the tail end of the PB career. Where I almost, I'm, I say that I'm joking, but I'm not. I, I mean, it was. It oh, was it a, takes a lot of people out. It was an, a shit show. Huge. Crazy. Plus, you worked in the bar business. Yes, right? so yeah. it was worse. Yeah. We'd start at one a.m. Yeah. Two a.m. I'm not a nighttime person. Um, I I don't even come alive till like my blood doesn't start flowing till like midnight. Yeah, see, I'm not. I when it gets dark out, I'm like, and that's always interesting. Even, always, my whole life. So moving to Pacific Beach, yes, I did go to the bars but it was not very often i was a, i like to go to the day drinking <laughs> we, we were right near yeah so the bar that i don't we want were, to stay up late i <laughs> want to start early <laughs> so you remember the open bar no no i love jose the murphy's open bar. and you remember jose of murphy's of course and lahaina still stands Lina. strong that's right we were right behind lahaina and jose remembers remember jose murphy's yep. was remember the biker it was a biker bar yep remember that yep okay so let's go back go back 
with um where you with uh the she kept coming back to you yep um and uh, you said between this is the Saturn return thing where the, you have a this is a known thing where something's going to happen in your life either you're going to go to the and the, so do you, have you studied as to what why like why did that happen to you like well I think you, it's and you said you became an angel my... channeler give me that again well Barbara is basically one of my angelic realms who actually comes through and gives me information. Um, I know. Okay, explain that, please. Well, let me let me explain that every single human being that is born yes. has a guardian angel, at least one guardian angel. When you're born, yes. there is a guardian angel that is assigned to you. You could have more than one guardian angel, but everybody has at least one. And then other, you know, like she's not a guardian angel because she was a human person, right? She Got was it. my friend. But once she passed, and from what she has told me, and it took me a long time to receive it. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time because I was like, I'm going crazy. Like this, I need, like, I think I need a psychiatrist or something. <laughs> Is that she, so in school, I was not very studious. So would this happen while you were awake, only sleeping? Only sleeping. Only sleeping. No, now it's like information that comes in. I could be completely awake. I could be standing in the yoga studio and getting information. And I, for years, would be like, shut the hell up, leave me alone. Like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. And it's like, yes, you are. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's like, okay, finally. And then I would say things, and then people would be like, oh, when you said this yes. and this. And I'm like, okay. So, so it's I know not it sounds so weird. So you right? weren't surprised when I... I'm a very logical-minded person. I'm very logical and I'm very grounded. So this whole thing was completely out of left field, right? And I didn't really want... I don't want to be a channeler. Well, just leave me alone. Like, what the hell's going oh on gosh. here? But her information was <laughs> that this was an agreement that her and I made when we came into this life. She was a much more evolved spiritual vibration. Mm. And I know that I'm an old soul just from the person that I am and I've always been. Barbara was not. She was a rebel. As I said, she was very much into punk rock. She was not someone you can control. She was not close to her parents because she was just like a wild person. And um, she was very smart. She was very studious. Yeah. So when we were in junior high and high school, she was a straight A student and I was like a, a D student. Yeah. D for D. <laughs> yes. Rent your name. And it's not because I'm not smart, because I'm a very smart person, but I'm not studious. And I'm kind of one of those hyperactive people where I couldn't really focus. I didn't, everything they talked about was boring to me. Um, so I never did homework. I never really did my, you know, it was, well, basically they would put me in the back yeah. of the room because I'm so talkative that they had to isolate me so that I wouldn't talk to other people. So at some point, Barbara and I became friends, and she basically was my lifeline to get through school because she did my homework. Yeah, she I sat she sat in front of me, and she would let me cheat off of her papers. She would write papers. She would write a paper for her and a paper for me to turn in. And I got through high school because of Barbara. So it's so funny because years after she passed away, she goes, "Don't you remember, like how I oh like, you know that I did." all that stuff for you like without it even like without him conversing about it and I'm like oh so <laughs> it's not and the thing is is I guess now growing up in LA the LA school system was yeah. horrible yeah 
So I was smoking pot, I was smoking cigarettes, I was, you know, with my first boyfriend, and I just had, and I was, Gemini's are very social, right? and we can't really be contained. No. So I didn't have time for all that crap. And I know now that I had a learning disorder, um, somewhat dyslexic. Yeah. So um, anyway, she got me through school. Um, Then she took off on her punk rock thing, and I didn't even see her for a few, for a few years. Really? really. Yeah, because she went kind of off on her own and went into that whole scene because in LA that was a big scene and we graduated in 1978 so that was right when punk rock yes. became really popular and LA thing. was the place so she spent a lot of time in, in Hollywood and whatnot and like I said I don't like to be I don't want to be out late so yeah. D didn't go out to the punk rock shows she did she was very yeah she was a rager but a um, rager she lived her life very full like so you know although it broke my heart that she passed away at such a young age and I remember even thinking like you rotten you know you're never even going to turn 30 like you're never even going to be old like how dare you do that to me because we had talked about being old at 40 yeah on the phone when we're married and we have kids and we're talking you know the back then you think 40 is like really old exactly so I was really you know just um, heartbroken for the longest time (sighs) I feel things very deeply and it's hard for me to get over things um so I grieved for a really long time and it was hard for um, well, the relationship that I was in at that time was a new relationship, and he was a total moron, immature moron. And I remember, like, three months in, he was like, aren't you over that yet? Like, why are you still crying about it? I go, oh, okay, geez. you're out. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I could not be with you. Yeah. But it was just where he was coming from because everybody comes from a different space, Correct. right? Um, so. And, and so go so during the four years that you were really grieving hard you said bawling every day was she coming to you on a regular basis whenever i needed her to she was always energetically there yeah okay so um todd and i moved so we were at barb and i had an apartment so the first month she was gone her family paid the rent for her and because they wanted to give me time to find a place and then the second month, the boyfriend and I went and found a place on Wilbur and Cass. Wilbur. Yeah. I'll on never Wilbur. forget that name, Wilbur. Yeah. And didn't realize probably because I had my blinders on that he was smoking crystal. Ooh. And I would go to sleep. So I was working mm. at the time, uh, like a like a regular day job at Scripps, actually. I started working at Scripps, which was also weird. Like I'm in this what? weird. Yeah. So I started working at Scripps La Jolla through man um what was it called? Manpower. Manpower. Remember that? Yeah, Manpower. So through Manpower, they put me in a temp job there. I ended up working there. Per- I stayed there for 10 years. So What I were st- you doing there? Um, accounting. So I worked huh. in accounts payable, payroll, all the, all the administrative stuff. Yeah. Geminis are good at like that sort of right. stuff. And see, I was emotionally broken, but my brain, I mean, my, my ability to process information was yeah. there. And um, woke up one morning and he had taken apart a lamp. And I was like, why did you take that lamp? Oh, I was fixing it. I go, there's nothing wrong with it. Then I realized, oh, when I go to sleep, he brings all his friends over and they sit in the living room and smoke crystal. So I knew you that. You found that out. Yeah. So I was taking him. He had t- said, hey, and I already decided, okay, I got to get out of here because I am not, I don't do, I don't like Coke. I don't like, crystal, yeah. as you know, because remember how I was, so even back then I was oh, completely right. anti cocaine yeah you know i just think yeah you mentioned that that's right i said it's the devil's dandruff it is and if you want to hang out with the devil go for it yeah but it's not my thing i'm not interested and i don't want to be around anybody that is 
doing crystal or cocaine. It's definitely a hard stop for me. Because that's um, how Tom Petty passed. Tom Petty was a coke. He did coke, but yeah. he had fentanyl. Uh, Nowadays, it was laced. My thing when mm. I talked in class was about don't do coke because if Tom Petty can get shitty coke and die because of fentanyl, that's, you can. That's what right. I said. <laughs> that's right. That was the message. Well, it was just a point I was trying to make because cocaine right now in San Diego yeah. is very big. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of people that are reputable people that are, you know, on the sideline snorting coke. And my point is if Tom Petty can't get good, can't rely on yeah. his source, I'm sorry, yeah. you can't either. And you should probably, you know, just stop doing it because it's about the stupidest thing anybody could do yeah it's a great 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 point one of my friends said it best he said uh one line is not enough a thousand or no one is too many a thousand is not a enough when it comes to coke it's just bad really 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 bad and it bankrupts people i mean back in the 80s people were losing their families yeah. their houses and that's what was that's what was blowing my mind that in this day and age you guys are doing that yeah like really really I yeah mean, terrible especially because Eat, mushrooms are legal right now. Yeah. You know, those come out of the ground. Yes. You know, if you really want to do like, you know, stupid shit, stick to something that is actually from the planet. Yeah. You know, and this fentanyl thing is just killing people left and right. It's bad. It's bad. Really you bad. You know, and I don't know if you heard that story where it was, um, I think these, the kids are from Citadel. They went and did an Airbnb in Florida and um, I guess they got bad coke and they were, so they're athletes, football players, you know, they're in a very, you know, great college and they were all passed out pretty much, they were dead. You know, they didn't die because yeah. they came and they got the Norco or whatever it's called, the, you know, just bring yeah, them out of it. Right. But it's like, now those guys just screwed their future because that's gonna be in there, you know, and they, they wanna make something of themselves. Yeah. You guys can't even go away for the weekend without doing something stupid like that, yeah. you know? It's sad. It is sad. And everyone, I know the kids are doing it because it's the cool thing. It ain't cool. It's yeah. dumb. Yeah. You know? I, I remember that now in that class you said that. So I'm definitely an anti-cocaine oh, yeah. crystal person. And so so then you realize that what he was doing. And so he said, hey, will you take me to the airport because my parents dropped their car off and they need me to pick it up. And so we had to drive by my apartment that Barb and I lived in yep. so I dropped him off and I was coming back and I was having one of my bawling uh, episodes and I was talking to her saying why was it you why couldn't it have been me like I just I don't want to live I don't want to live why like wow. you seem to have so much going for yourself and I don't have anything going for myself and I don't understand why this happened and I was completely you know upset got back to my apartment on Wilbur opened the door and a picture of her was in the middle of the living room standing upright. And I was like, holy shit. And it scared the crap out of me, right? Because I was like, what in the hell? But she's like, you have nothing to be afraid of. You know, but that she kept doing the weirdest things. And I'm like, stop, you're scaring me. It's like, I'm not meant to, it's not meant to scare you. It's meant to get you clear that you are not imagining this. Yeah. It is not in your imagination that I'm talking to you, that I'm holding your hand, that we are going to get through this, that I was meant to be your guide from here on out. And so was there an actual picture you just saw? No, 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 no. It was the picture that I had on the wall. On the wall? Of her in the middle of my living room standing straight up. Are you kidding me? I am not effing kidding you. So I went into my kitchen in a, like a huddle, like I was like not going, I waited for Todd to get back and I go, could you, 
that he goes that's weird how did that get there and i go oh, i don't even know even he saw it oh yeah he saw it and so go back to the thing where you said we all are born with a guardian angel at least one yes and angels do not interfere in your life unless you ask them so they have they have one role they do not interfere unless you invite them in unless you invite them in and second sideline rule is if you're about to lose your life and it's not your day because everybody is has a time stamp already yep. then they intervene hence the reason why you hear stories about oh the woman you know flipped her car 15 times and didn't have a scratch on her but yet you can have a fender bender and someone die yeah right yeah so you have your day if it's you know gonna if it's if you're gonna lose your life it's not your day then they intervene without your permission Otherwise, you really need to ask them for help. You need to ask them to guide you, to be there, to so that they can. Because first of all, angels are very um, giddy and laughable, and they have great sense of humor, and they it can be at all places at all times. Yeah. So some people will be like, yeah, but what about, I don't want to take that if someone else needs it more. It's like, no, it's energy. It isn't a person. It's energy. It's energy. Yes. And obviously, they are linked to, you know, God. Right. So they are the servers of God. And archangels are a higher echelon of the angelic realm. Archangels. Archangels. Why like are those? Michael and <clears throat> Raphael and um because they are it's an archetype and so so like Michael is yeah. the archangel of protection. He's also considered to be the fallen um angel. Raphael is the angel of health. So if you are sick of healing so if yeah. you need healing you would reach out to um Raphael. and literally you can say like when i get on a plane or if i go anywhere where i'm feeling i need protection i'm right away like michael set up the boundaries right get the protection thing going and then i can feel comfortable and not worry i could let it go because i've handed it off to an energy that i trust if i'm sick or i'm hurt or whatever or maybe even somebody i know yeah. needs because you can you can ask them to help people that you love right like i can say you know every angelic realm and the people that have loved jd so jd's angels every person that has ever loved jd and their angels come to him now give him the energy he needs let him know that he's supported right so you can ask your angels and all of the angels to show up for people when you know that they need it they don't have to ask you can ask mm. for them right and just like so so a lot of times if so say i'm getting especially back in the early days when i would teach i would just um yeah, ask how did it. how did you learn this like how did you stumble into this and is this the same thing as praying like where Christians because we're praying for people nonstop now yeah well to, I, I mean I pray too we pray we get a hedge of protection I've been seeing some natural healing going on right in front of my eyes from praying right is this all in all encompassing all intertwined what so, do you, um because I know you I'm said you're go, not really quote-unquote religious So let me go back to when I was eight so I told you I was number two of four kids yeah and so my sister's very highly dramatic and needs a lot of attention okay and then my brother who's one year younger than me is special needs he he was born with lack of oxygen to his brain so he's what mm. we would call slow so he needed you know yeah. extra attention and then my youngest brother 
is uh, the youngest and a boy and athletic. And so he is what I call the golden child, which really bugs my mom. The golden child. And I was the invisible child because I didn't really need anything. I don't care about material things. I wasn't someone that needed even, like we would, I don't even, I wouldn't even want a lot of food because I felt that, oh, I would be taking it away from somebody else or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's just how I was. I was not a needy person. I don't, didn't ask if it was my birthday or Christmas, they'd say, Oh, what do you want? I don't need anything Yeah. where my brother would give like a list a mile long, you know, and then he got everything he needed and wanted and I got nothing because I never asked for it. And then I resented it later as an adult. Yeah. (laughs) But so at about eight, back in the old days, you have bubble gum machines and you could put a quarter in and, you know, get something. And I had gotten this, um, ring that was one of those spoon rings, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like they made them out of spoon. Uh-huh. And I loved that stupid ring. I loved it. I don't know why, but I loved that ring. Now remember, I'm like eight, yeah, seven or eight. Yep. Well, somehow it fell off my hand and my mom had orange shag carpet. Orange? Orange, because back in the, that would have been in the... Late 60s. Late 60s, yeah. You know, yeah. and it was orange shag carpet, and oh, we raked boy. it. We didn't vacuum it. You had a rake, and you'd rake it. <laughs> and I was really <sighs> upset about this ring, and I said, God, if you're real, when I open, and I never asked God for anything. Yeah. When I open my eyes, I want to see that ring. And I opened my eyes, and I saw that ring in that carpet. Are you kidding me? And I said, I will never doubt that you're real. No, I'm not kidding. So I told you I didn't want to go to church, and I told my parents I don't like church, but because I didn't understand what they were talking about. Yeah. I would be bored. I'm in Gemini. I'm like, oh, my God, I could be playing outside. Where? Oh, this guy's so boring. I don't even yeah. know what he's talking So although I wasn't into going to church, yeah. I had a strong connection to God and always did, and I'm the person that always does the right thing. I was always called a tattletale when I was little because I always told the truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I couldn't skip school because I'd get busted. The cops would see me. They'd pull me over. The very first time I ever shoplifted um, was when I was 16, and all my girlfriends were getting the coolest clothes because, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's so easy. You just put it in there. And I'm like, really? So I went with Barbara because she was already stealing. Yeah. Even though I didn't feel good, but I sure did want something, something for free. Yeah. And I went to Broadway, and I must have put the – it was like a top and I don't know if I put it in my purse or I shoved it on my pants or whatever but when we walked out the cops like uh hello you know and I was 16 well my sister was 18 so when they pulled me in and they said you know give us your parents phone number I I lied and I said my sister's my guardian because she was 18 so they they didn't call her they called my parents they did and my parents came and got me and they said why did you do that like we would have bought you the shirt like this is so dumb I don't know everybody else was doing it my point is is I'm not someone that can get away with things yeah if I yeah. try to get away with something I will get caught and that's really my in my feelings and how I feel about it is that that's my pact with God is yep. that I'm here to be a pure vessel and not let my ego and my you know, my drive for things that you haven't earned, right? Right. That it just doesn't work that way. Even when you <clears> see <throat> other people doing it, hmm. you are not them and they are not you. And you can't say that it's okay because so-and-so is doing it because you know that it's not okay. You know? And so I got that super early on. Wow. Yeah. So that that's incredible from the ring 
is what really perpetuated this. Because I ask for nothing. And you said one thing, God. I'll... If you're real, <laughs> if you are real, show me. When I open my eyes, I want to see that ring. And it was there. And it was right there. Oh my, that's and I, unbelievable. And you know, backing up, I'm not saying so. Backing up with the yeah. cocaine thing. Yeah. So I am a pot smoker. Yep. Had pot, not don't never really enjoyed alcohol. So never really was a drinker growing up. I was the designated driver for all of my friends who drank. Yep. And. <clears throat> Hence the reason why I was not a fan of like the Coke or the Crystal. Right. That didn't mean that if I had been drinking and someone said, oh, hey, you want to do a line when I was younger, that I would be like, okay, you know, yeah, let me tell you about my two-year-old self. You know how you repeat those stupid stories. I'm yes. like, am I really going down this road again? And so this was when I was 31. Um, and I, my roommate at the time, who was a complete mess, PB, we lived on Cass Street. She was a complete mess. Oh, her name was Sharon, and we called her Sharon Sharon. <laughs> Sharon she was, Sharon. She was a sharer, if you know what I mean. The woman was loose as a goose. Sharing Sharon. Oh, Sharon boy. Sharon. Oh, it's Sharon Sharon. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> she was wild. Yeah. No boundaries at all. And her and I were like, oh, my brother was having a party. My brother was having a party yeah. in L.A. So we decided to drive there. And it was fun. We had such a great time, and everybody's just great, great, great. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, we looked at each other, and we're like, let's get the hell out of here. Now, mind you, we had been drinking, mm. snorting Coke, and we had probably one line of Crystal each, which you do a line of Crystal, you're going to be up for yeah, ever. several days. So we're like, we can drive home now. We're like wide awake. And I get home that night, and I'm wide awake, and I go back to, okay, God, if I commit to never doing Coke and Crystal again, can I please go to sleep? I woke up, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. So immediately I was out and that was it. I never did it again. I make a commitment. This I know that it's real. This is unreal, I love this. <laughs> so on my pivotal points, it's based on basically my agreement to God. If you show me yeah. that ring, I will always believe that you are there, that you are real. If you let me fall asleep, I swear to God, I'm never going to touch that stuff again. Yeah. And that was that. Wow. And so uh, to this day, um, does Barbara come to you still? Sure. Whenever I want her to and pretty much. So angels can kind of come Yeah, so tell go. me, how does she fit in with the angel thing? She wasn't your guardian angel, no, right? No, she's not a guardian angel. She, it was a commitment our souls made that we would be friends and at some point she would depart early and that from that point on her death would propel me into the person that I was meant to be and and so expand further on that how what because a lot of people here and this is why and uh, the, the title of the podcast is we were all born to win and as you saw my, my introduction is um, I have an obsession with helping people or inspiring people to to tap into their potential and figure out why they're here what's yeah. their purpose right so what would you say early on what you what what would you what you what you realize is your purpose? I didn't realize early on a yeah. purpose. Um, I really just had no direction. No, I'm a human being that doesn't have a strong ambition. Um, my Saturn sits in my first house. I so the way the astrology works yeah. is your first house is your ego and your human self. So when as a human. It's I am, I want, I need, you know, yep. it's that drive. It's the, it's the, it's the warrior. It's the athlete. It's the competition. 
and that is not me right so I just don't have that energy never have don't like competitive sports I was a cheerleader but I and I love watching sports but I don't want to play sports I don't want to compete with you I, I, you know, I was like, I liked handball. Yeah. I liked, you know, like stuff like that, but I did not like any sort of competition. I know that it makes me sound weird, but the truth is, is that's who I am. Yeah. That's always who I am. So it makes me definitely different than other people. And you know, the difference between you and I is you have a very strong drive for success, right? And yeah. so to be able to understand that not everybody was born to have that strong drive for quote unquote success because everybody's happiness is different, right? And so um, I really strongly believe that mm. this is my last life, hence the reason why I don't desire things because mm. I was really more about being an observer and holding space for people. And obviously I'm a Gemini, so I got a big mouth and I run my mouth and I don't really care and I'm not really worried about like what you think of me or because I don't really care. Like I would encourage you to speak your mind yeah. and your mind and whatever. And that's just who I am. Um, so at some point, so I, so after, so in um, 1993. And this is why you're like, because remember I said, we're going to figure out why you're like, why yeah. we so, were brought together here by the, the, the Holy Spirit. And, and this is why. Yep. Because your story is so unique. Yep. Your your whole way of life is so unique. It is. Because this day and age, everybody's like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Yeah. Strive, strive, strive. Grind, grind, grind. Yeah. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Yeah. And you're just like, Well, hey. when we went into lockdown, I was like, woohoo. <laughs> because you first loved of all, it. I got an awesome place. Yeah. I don't need people. I don't need you yapping in my ear. I don't care about social media. I'm not really, you know, like, did I... I was upset that I couldn't go to the beach, so I yeah. couldn't walk around. I mean, I definitely hated the hated the mask, but being alone is not hard for me. Yeah, um, I'm really comfortable, you know, in my own company. Um, in 1993, I got laid off from Scripps, so I'd been working there. No, yes, 1993, I got laid off because they went through a thing where that's when it became Scripps Health instead of Scripps Memorials because the memorials were all separate. Yeah. And back then, that's, right. that's when they were reorganizing healthcare, and I was middle management, so they laid me off. And you're living in PB still at I this point. I was living in PB. So at this point, by the way, JD arrived to PB in 1993. In 90, uh, 91. I was in Mission Beach okay. on, Le on 91 on Lido Court. Yeah. Do you remember the Lido Beach of House? Of course. Yes. The Lido, the Lido Beach yeah. House was right there. Yep. And there was a liquor store right across the street. Lido. Yeah. That's 91. Uh -huh. Me and the Navy crew. I was in the Navy. And then, and then the first place uh, we moved to in Pacific Beach was 1993, Dawes. Dawes and uh, and Grand. Yeah, you were basically right around the corner from Dawes me. and Grand, and I worked, I bounced at Plum Crazy. Yep. And Loves Plum Crazy. Me remember Quick Corner? Yes. My buddy still owns it. The same Chaldean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Richie. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. 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 I know. And, and the good old days. Yes. That, uh, mannequins. Mannequins. That's and then it was Emerald City. Emerald City. Right? Oh, my God. And I met em my ex-husband at Emerald Are City. Are you kidding me? Kidding. Come on. Mm -hmm. And I lived in an apartment on Cass and Grand. And you were on Dawes and Grand. We were one, one block away. One block away from each other right there. You, yep. Were you coming in? That was where Sharon and Sharon and I lived. <laughs> Sharon, Sharon. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. And you were 10 years ahead of me because I'm 51. Yeah. 
So, so by that time, ahead. I moved. Well, yeah. So by that time, I was third. So wow. in 1993, I was 33. I was yeah. going to be 33 in May. And I was like, oh, my God, I just lost my job. What do I want to do? And my boyfriend, who ended up being my husband, said, well, you know what? You get really great massages, and you should maybe go to massage school. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I probably would like doing that. Yeah. So I looked it up, and I basically started. It was hap- It was like getting ready to start like that next Monday. And then Scripps called me back, and they go, oh, we didn't really realize how much work you did. Can you come back? And they had really? given me a severance, and they told me I can get unemployment. I'm like, well, I signed up for the school at six weeks. And they're like, okay, why don't you just come in between? But plant, but we need you back. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so that was cool because then I was like, oh, now I can do my massage and I'll have a job. Then I can start doing the massage. Well, come to find out, once I became a massage therapist, Scripps said, hey, D, because I did know a lot of the people in admin, like more the higher ups. Yeah. Why don't you do your massage business in our employee gym, which is a cardiac treatment center as well? So I was blessed to what? have a little room. I didn't even pay any rent. I had a little room in their cardiac treatment center, which was also the employee gym, and I was able to offer massages to the employees and the cardiac treatment patients. Yeah. And that's how I got my start in my holistic health wow. world. And then I went on to be a holistic health practitioner because I just loved the massage. I loved the herbs. It's all natural. It was totally like speaking to me. And so so the, the employees, so they were paying you directly, the employees? Yeah, it was only $40. Uh, uh, a session an hour and a lot of the people that got massages from me because back then it was like massage parlor yeah still was kind of a you know well it still is but yeah. and it will always be but it was very unusual to be like a straight up body worker yeah and so these people had already known me and because of who i am and i'm very like grounded and straight up they're yeah. like well i'll give it a shot and i ended up getting like i was really i mean it was really successful and i loved it and went on to continue my my training and my schooling and just so that was kind of my that was really where i started to go oh yeah this is what i'm supposed to be Uh i'm a holistic health practitioner oh learn about energy part of my training was tai chi you had to do tai chi Mm. to do to to do massage yeah so as you're massaging it's a weight shifting so it was all it was so exciting and i was like this is my jam i freaking love this so that was when i realized oh okay and this was the, th- this was your roommate, Sharon. No, who actually, was the one who encouraged it? Was your boyfriend? My boyfriend. No, in which school did you go? Did you go to the school that was right there went, in PB? So I went initially went to Mind Body, which was in Sereno Valley. Yep, okay. that was my six week program. Then I went to the School of Healing Arts on um, <clears throat> Garnett, yep, and Garnett, I also yep. did Ipsby, which was also on Garnett. So to get my thousand hours, I ended up going to both of the schools in Pacific Beach, which back then it was they're they're really great. I, mean, I got super, massages there. Super awesome. So it's possible that you massaged me there. It's possible. No, because I didn't work in their clinic. No, because okay. I, because right out of my well, my hundred hours, I already had a place to do massage at Scripps. Oh, that's true. So I didn't have to work at their school because mm. I was already practicing on you know people. Um, and um, and then yeah. where, where'd you go? For, where'd you go from there? With what? So that sparked it. That sparked it. So that's basically what I was doing. I was making a living as a massage therapist and then oddly enough Scripps Clinic um, there's a doctor there who is well renowned and he's actually the one who invented Mohs surgery which is when you have skin cancer they yeah. take off a cell and they keep looking at it under the microscope so Dr. Greenway 
Dr. Greenway. There you go. Bring it in a little closer. He decided he wanted to try this thing called endermology. Hmm. And endermology was a cellulite treatment. And it was kind of a state of the art. And it was this big thing that looked like a big vacuum cleaner. You put on a Lycra suit and it had like an inclusion. So the, it would suck onto your skin and then you would roll it around. But you needed to be a massage therapist to do endermology. Yeah. So Dr. Greenway hired me. So I was doing massages at the, in the employee gym. And then I was doing endermology at Scripps Clinic with the most highly renowned um, dermatologist basically in the United States. Wow. It was awesome. And he is awesome. And so I did that until I got married and moved. So my ex-husband's in the military. Mm. Was he, he was in the military then? He was in the military then. That's when you met him? He was in the military? Yeah. And how old was he? Was he, was he the same age as you? Or? No, he's eight years younger than me. Eight years younger than you. What was he in the Navy? Mm-hmm. What was his name? <laughs> well, my last name is Hayes, and I didn't change oh, Hayes, my name. Oh, Hayes, that's right. Um, huh. Interesting. Why, are you in the teams? Or you're a no. diver? No. Oh, he was a SEAL? Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I was not in the SEAL. Never mind. I was in the Navy at that time, literally when you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I got out in 93. Okay. Were you a diver? What did no, you do? Okay. No, operations specialist. Okay. Did, did you know Ron? Ron who was he was a he did a lot of um, bouncer, and he was a Navy diver. He worked at Lahaina. He worked at Plum Crazy. Big dude like you, but not Ron. Ron. He might I have think. been. He might have been the era ahead of me. No, it was the same. It was the same. Really? He, he ended up. Yeah. Um, I know you would probably because he was total like anybody that that ran PB back yeah, then. Correct. You know him. Um. Anyway, it doesn't that, matter. That's crazy. But that was my ex-husband's yeah. close friend. Got so they it. were they were close friends. Okay. Yeah. And so then he he so then what what happened? How long uh, he was with, he was in the seals? He told think, you to go do the massage thing, endermology, right? So, so where, was, where did that go from so there? So basically, I was working full time. If I wasn't t- doing massages, I was doing endermology. Yeah. Right. And he, you're still working. Also at Scripps doing all their billing yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And he went, he was enlisted at the time, got his degree and went E to O. Um, enlisted to officer. Right. Yep. And so he went to Pensacola to do the officer mm. training. And we were living together at the time in Pacific Beach. And then it was basically we were going to break up because he was going to end up. Because when you go E to O in the teams, you have to kind of switch coasts back mm. then. I don't right. know what they do now. Yeah. And so he was going to go to the East Coast. And he came back for a little bit. Then he went to Monterey. And he was in Monterey at the Language Institute there for a while, like learning. And so you split up. Yep. After that, we split up. So you just split. You didn't actually divorce. We weren't married. Oh, you weren't? We were boyfriend and girlfriend at that time. And he went, we were going to split up. And then, well, we basically did break up during the time when he was in Monterey. Then right before he got ready to leave, he proposed and we got married and then we moved to Virginia. No kidding. So I left my life in San Diego to go to Virginia. Virginia Beach. Yep. Because that's where the SEAL team is. Yep. Yes. Little Creek. Yeah. I, I I trained in Damn Neck, Virginia yeah. for my job, yeah. which is so, Virginia Beach. Yep. Oh, I know what Damn Neck is. You know Damn Neck. <laughs> yes, I know Damn yeah. Neck. <laughs> so, but we were at, we were at Little Creek and, or he was at Little Creek and we lived, you know, right outside there too. Because yeah. I mean, it's, Someone that comes from San Diego, I never, I didn't go there. In my peon brain, I thought Virginia Beach sounded like a small southern beach town. Right. It is everything but that. It is just one big flat 
strip mall. Yeah, it's pretty gross much. Gross and disgusting, and a bunch of white racist <laughs> jackasses. Oh, I'm all left turn. What in the hell is left turn? You're having a party for what? What are you? Do? What is NASCAR like? What? And oh. because it was such a you know, I'm from Southern California. Yeah, I was in culture shock. I was like, what in the where did you bring me? I want to go home. I want a divorce. I want to go home. This is terrible. And this was the mid nineties or so. Ninety eight. We got married. Ninety eight. No kidding. Oh my gosh. And so, so how? What happened? How long that last? Uh, did, did we you... got divorced in. Well, we split up in two thousand seven. Okay. And then we got divorced a couple years later. But you were back here then, correct? Yeah, we had moved back here in two thousand six. Oh, so, so you stayed there that long. We were there for eight years. I wow. opened up the first hot yoga studio in the Virginia Beach area. Okay, so how did you get into yoga? 9-11 happened. So, I was, so him and I went there, and I went, and I was starting to work for a different dermato- uh, plastic surgeon. He wasn't a dermatologist. He was a plastic surgeon doing endermology. So we get back. We get to Virginia Beach. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I could start building my massage business, and I look in their paper, and it says endermologist. And I'm like, What? Like, nobody even knows what endermology is. Yeah. And I called the guy, and they're like, yeah, we need someone. I'm like, okay, well, I'm certified, and blah, blah, blah. So I started working there. Wow. I know. And then <sighs> 9-11 happened, and James got sent to back to Coronado for Arabic uh, course. Mm. And um, he was going to be there for, I think, like three months, because Arabic is not an e- or Farsi, I think it was, that he yeah, was learning. Right. Not an easy language. So he was all, just quit your job get the dog because we had a dog and um, just drive out here because he got flown out there so he didn't have a vehicle. So I drove from Virginia Beach to San Diego and in the midst of that, my friend who I used to do yoga with when uh, and I lived in the Valley, she, we had been friends forever and she said, hey Dee, let's do Bikram yoga and I go, what in the hell is Bikram yoga? This was in Virginia Beach? When I was getting ready to, move, to, to drive to San Diego and I would be there for three months, she lives in La Jolla. Yeah. And she said, I can't wait. Let's go do Bikram yoga. And I said, what are you talking about? Well, it's yoga in the heat. She knows I love heat. She loves heat. Like yeah. her and I used to go to like, you know, we would sit in the hot tub at, um, did you ever go to Holiday um, Health? You know, the gym, Holiday. There was one right over so. in Mission Valley. So they had like a, a hot a steam room and a straight up like dry yeah. heat. And we would work out and her and I would go back and forth. So we would sit in these hot rooms for like hours. So she knew that I loved hot. And I'm like, well, yoga and heat sounds great to me. And so, so let me make sure this is still in Virginia. So we're, I'm so so I'm driving to be in San Diego for three months. She's making plans. While he does his school thing. Yeah, and she's making plans when I get to San Diego ah, okay. that her and I are going to go to this yoga studio that's across the street from where she lives okay. in La Jolla. Got it. So I get in town. We get I get settled. She's like, okay, meet me. And I went and I went to my first Bikram class at the La Jolla studio. Um and I was like, what in the hell is going on here? These people are yelling. They're clapping. It's hot as hell. There's no music. Like, what is going on? And then when I get back, because we were staying on base at the time. We were living on in the, in the, the BOQ. And um, I tell him, because he likes yoga too. Yeah. Him and I had been doing yoga in Virginia Beach. And he goes, okay, I'll go with you tomorrow. And so then they start talking about, well, once you start, you should go every day for three months. So I'm like, well, I'm here for three months. Why not? You know, every day, every day. 
when you first start Bikram back in the old days, really for the transformation, for the repetition, it's kind of one of those things where if you do something 10,000 times, you're a master. Hmm. So get on the, you know, get on the road. And, and as you know, it's a very addictive feeling. Absolutely. It's when you get home, you're like, I feel amazing. When do I go back? I need to get back there right now. And so I went every day and I loved it. And wow. I was really sad when we were getting ready to move, to, to not move, because we had a house in Virginia. We were yeah. just here for temporary. Yeah. We were getting ready to drive back to go home. And I became very distraught, which is not like me. Hmm. I'm like easy, even keel person. Like, you know, I'm just like nothing really phases me. I started having nightmares that I was, remember I told you I don't dream. Yes. That I would show up to a hot yoga studio to take my class to a Bikram studio and not have my cl- my yoga clothes or water, but desperate to get in there and do yoga. This is my dreams. So my ex-husband says to me, because he knows how I am, he goes, okay, if you want to do the training, I'll pay for you to do the training. And it was $5,000. So that was not a cheap yeah. training. No. And it was in LA and it was nine weeks long. And it was getting ready to start. So this would have been, so it was 2011. It was probably like, in the fall of 2000 of one sorry 2001 because it was 9-11 right it was right after 9-11 which would have been september we were there for christmas so it was the beginning of well 2000 2002 one is 9-11 that's what i mean so it was in 2001 when i had in the fall after 9-11 after september so october november december is when we were in san diego right so we're getting back ready to come back and they're starting their training in february of 20 of 2002 so in like a few weeks i can sign up and go to la and train to do this and then come back to virginia and open a studio and so that's what i did you're no way so you went and trained for bikram yoga in la and i was 41 years old you were 41 i turned 42 when we graduated were they were they like well mostly Oh no! Old for this or? No, because if you give them the money, they don't care. Oh, they don't care. I, That's no. cool. I had 260 people in my training class. It was packed. We were wow. literally lined up this far. We had like maybe a quarter of an inch between mats. You're kidding? Not kidding. It was an experience, but not everybody was young. I mean, there was probably maybe out of the 260, I'm going to say there was probably 30 people that were, you know, late 30s, early 40s, maybe even some 50 and 60 year olds. Because this thing was booming. Bikram was really, I think 9-11, everybody was in such shock. We were all dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder that the hot yoga was so healing and it was yeah. exactly what we needed. So, so many people in the United States just became, became a huge obsessed thing. with it. Because it was a moment in time where we didn't have to think about what everybody has been through and where we're going. Because that was kind of a, a spark of not a good beginning right we right. dove into a 20-year war yeah, with 20 year two different countries quote you know? unquote war. yeah so it was intense but it was aligning for me to go do that and then i was excited because i'd be like oh i have something to put myself into because obviously he's gone all the time yeah um and we, I, we didn't have children um how long is the training? 90, 90 days, you said? No, it's nine weeks. Nine weeks, okay. Yeah, and you do okay. two 90-minute classes, one at 9 o'clock and one at 4. And then Bikram lectured like from 9 to 2 in the morning. And how long had Bikram been around at this point, like the, the, the actual practice? 
I'm going to say he came to Los Angeles probably in the late 70s, early 80s. Kind of when the Beatles went to India. Remember when the Beatles had a, like, that would have been, like, in the 70s. Yoga now started to become something, and because it was L.A., yeah, you know, that's kind of was where every weird thing started. Yeah, L.A. So, so he came, basically, to teach to the stars. That was Bikram's thing, is he wanted to come and teach to the stars. And so I can't really tell you exactly, but I know that at that point, it was really starting to boom. Yep. Right? I mean, literally, we had 260 people in my training class. It's unreal. You know, and the guy was making $5,000 per person. <sighs> Plus, he got the Oakdale or Oakwood apartments, and he got people to live in the dorms, and he was making money off that, too. No but kidding. But I lived at my parents' house because I grew up in L.A., so I didn't need a dorm. I just stayed at my mom and dad's house while I was doing the training. And so that didn't you went back to Virginia after that? Went back to Virginia, opened up my studio, I went started looking for a place, yeah. right? Going, okay, where do I want to have it? And how did you get the backing for that? Your did your husband at the time help yeah, back we had, you on that? Yeah, he financially was um a miser. He's a saver. Yeah. So and plus we had a house. Yep. Uh we bought a we bought a house on a lake for $190,000. Now these are people coming from San Diego and we're like, "What? What? Let's hurry <laughs> give them the money yeah so we had quite a bit of equity in our house already and i had i'm a kind of a remodeler so every time he would leave i would do something and the house property value was going up so basically i just took a home equity loan out right he didn't help me it was yeah. on me got it i took a home equity loan out to do the build out and then um opened the studio and it was great i mean it was great of course see i was a weirdo anyway yeah. i was like a you know what they would call a bleeding heart liberal even though i'm not yeah. i'm not anything yeah. you know but i was a weirdo compared to you know what that was and when they said you're gonna do why would i do hot yoga i mean yoga wasn't was beakram back there at all no this one? it and wasn't yoga wasn't even a thing in Virginia. no Asia. way they had one starbucks one starbucks coffee like if you want coffee, you go to a shitty ass coffee house where people are smoking, blowing smoke in your blowing face. your smoking face. Yeah. So this is now this <laughs> is now oh three oh four ish, give or take. No, I opened the studio in two thousand two. So in two, December, two, okay. and so I went to the training in February. Yep. Graduated on May thirty first. Opened my studio in December at the end of the year. And was did you have to like get the rights to do the franchise or he at that point he wasn't talking franchise until that. Uh, graduating class and because it was so popular then all of a sudden he started talking franchise yeah but he couldn't hold me to a franchise because I didn't sign any he didn't have a franchise when right we graduated got it so when I put in to say hey I want to open up a Bikram studio he started to have all these oh well you you don't have anywhere to practice so who have you been teaching to um, you have to teach for six months before I'll say that you can um, have a studio yeah and I said well F you um, and I opened up hot Virginia Beach hot yoga studio so you didn't call it Bikram did not call it Bikram got it and um, <laughs> that's yeah. great I love yeah. that I mean and, and yeah exactly <laughs> it's like come and on so so what happened did it take off right away right away really how did you market it how did people know about you it's kind of a small town yeah um I because that hadn't really, been there at all. I got a really great place. It was a brand new shopping center and really good visibility. Um, How many I classes? Put, I put in an ad in our local. So, you know, like in PB, we have the Beach and Bay Press. So in Virginia Beach, they have some sort of like a little local paper. And I put a coupon in 
for 10 days for $20. So pay me $20 and you could take class for 10 days. And that's how I got people to come in. Yeah. And as you know, once you do one class. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> it was pretty cool because the lifestyle there is different, right? It's not very clean. It's not like they don't eat well. There's no <laughs> health food. Now, now, I mean, they got all the stuff. Are you from Virginia? Uh, the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. know. Um, so back then, they didn't have any Whole Foods, no Trader Joe's, yeah, no nothing. nothing. Now they got everything. Well, as soon as I left, it was like, oh, Trader Joe's opens and I'm leaving. Like, what the? You yeah. know? So it was... Um, it was a strange thing for people to do, but you know, you don't have to be a spiritual person to show up and sweat and do yoga. Right. You do and, not. Mm -mm. And so I had a lot of people that would be like, I smoked my last cigarette before I came and did my first class yeah. because they sweat it out. They're making, they're feeling so good. They get back in their car and they're like, Oh, and that made me feel good. Yeah. So to me, I was like, Oh my God, if I can offer this to somebody and they quit smoking. Yeah. Oh. I'm on it. I love this, right? Because I really just like to help people. I just want people to feel better and make better choices. And you know, and I know everybody has a different, um, a different mindset and different plans and different desires and all of that. But there's something that unites a person when you're in a room, sweating and breathing and practicing and focusing. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, yeah. right? You could be any. And I think that's where Trevor really fell in love with it as well, the owner. Yes, of, of Core Power, Core, Core Power yeah. Yoga. And so uh, so this so, is Virginia Beach now. Yeah. And then what happened? How did you close so, down there? And what, Yeah, so um, his last deployment, we knew we were getting ready to, that, we, that we were going to go back to the West Coast. And that was in, two th well, I moved in January of 2006. So in like late part of 2005, I started to look to sell the studio. And then one of my students who was going through a divorce decided that she wanted to buy the studio because that would give her something to focus on. And so how many so classes were you teaching per day? Oh, I wasn't really, because I had a bunch of teachers. Oh, you did? So did you teach them? Um. There is a girl who was work who lived in Virginia Beach. She's from Virginia Beach. Her name is Melissa Smith. Oh. So people in San Diego, if you do yoga, you know Melissa Smith. Really? Yes. Yeah, so Melissa um, did the training right after me. We did not know each other. She's probably twenty years younger than me. Yeah. Um, grew up in Virginia Beach, and all of a sudden we went to the same gym, Inlet Fitness, which was a really super cool, like hot gym. You, this is Virginia. Virginia Beach. It was on a, it was on a marina. I mean, it was a such, it was like a <clears throat> bomb. It was, it was a gorgeous studio. Wow. And I had heard when my friends knew that I had done this Bikram training and I was back and I was preparing to open up a studio and doing the build out and all that. Someone said, hey, there's a girl teaching Bikram yoga at Inlet Fitness. And I'm like, I got all indignant, like, well, there's nobody that's certified to teach it, you know? Yeah. Well, this girl had taken a class or two, because that was kind of how Melissa rolls, and decided she's just going to start teaching it. But she ended up going to, and she's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> so she does not come from money, and she didn't know how in the hell she was going to get $5,000. She won exactly the amount of money she needed for the training through a Pepsi Cola bottle cap. What? Yep. They were doing some sort of a, you know, thing, because I don't, I don't pay any attention yeah. to that stuff. 
and she won she, on a bottle cap. She got the one that I remember this bottle dollars. cap thing. I remember this. So she was able to do the training because she won the money through a bottle cap. Unbelievable. Right? Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't make this stuff up. No. And so wait. So then did she? So she then, once she got back from the training, and so she went. So she left from Virginia to go do the training. She went from Virginia to L.A. She had to stay in the dorm. That's why hers was 6500 So yeah. she won 6700 I think. It yeah. was the exact amount. It was so weird. And her and I had already talked because I had heard that she'd been teaching it. And this girl was like loose as a goose, like yeah. as far as like, you know, she like I'm very structured. Yeah. I've got my Saturn like you got to do everything right and have integrity. And she's like, like whirling around yeah, like I don't give a hoot. Yeah. And so she started work. So we both taught our very first class at the studio when we opened. So by the time I got ready to open, she was finished with her training. And that very first day, her and I were huddled, like scared to death. And I'm like. You go do yours. I'll go do mine. By the end of this day, we'll have already taught our first class. That's how it worked. She was with a guy at the time, and he was really into martial arts. Uh, he was a jujitsu guy. Um, and so him and his brother started coming, and they loved it so much that they wanted to do the training. So right then, I had mm. four of us. Yeah. And then we got another couple other people. So in, uh, very quickly, I had a staff of teachers. Yeah. Oh, so they, they wanted to help teach. Yeah, they went off and did a training and came back and taught. So we had um, like five or six people. Teaching. And so how many in your first, how many people were in your first class? Gosh, I don't remember, but it wasn't it wasn't a little. It was like I don't know, fifteen, twenty, something wow. like that. It was yeah. I don't really remember to be honest with you. Um, and so but you, it became a very popular studio. And, and then you wanted to sell it. And I was making, I was, uh, I was always making money. I was always able to pay my bills. I was always able to pay the teachers. So it was profitable. Yeah. And I was happy. Yeah. And I was loving it. And it was something that was like, you know, I was just stoked. Because, because I mean, you were making a difference. I was making a difference. You're impacting I was, lives. I was doing something that I really, really loved, and I was loving having brand new people show up and leaving as a yoga person. Yeah, you know, a yogi. And, and I remember one guy. He came back one day, and he was somebody that was there every day. And he goes, "D, I want to tell you something. You know that you're a drug dealer, right?" And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "It's like you're selling coke." Because you come in and you yeah. know that people are coming back. I go, yeah, but it's a, but I get what you're saying, right? Yeah. Because it is. Yeah. It's such a drug. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's healthy. It is. And I'll tell you, so now, oh, were, were you holding 90 minute classes or one hour? No, you, we were, you doing were still 90 doing 90. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were, we were, come on now. We were serious. That's serious business. Yeah. So then you wanted to sell the practice back. Well, then James got. Uh, order, so we were going to come back here. Yeah. So then I started to put it out there, and so um, Kate bought the studio, and I moved back here. Well, we were leaving at the very end of the year because it. We were there for the, we were there for New Year's, so it was right after New Year's. It was probably January second. Yeah. We drove back. Oh seven then, technically. Oh six. Oh six. Okay. No, oh six because it was January of oh six is when we got into San Diego. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And at the same time, I, I, we were going to have the people that were renting the house, my grandparents' house, yeah. uh, to move out. And then James and I would rent the house from my parents. Because my heart was set on living in my grandma's house. I wanted to get back yeah. to somewhere where it felt like home. Mm, no kidding. Yeah. And now during this time, had you talked about kids at all? We had, um, I had a few miscarriages. Ah. 
and um, one I know, and one that was um, was definitely more traumatic for me. Right. And come to find out, my husband, ex-husband, was a cheater and had always been a cheater. Mm. So he had been having side people his whole life. Yeah. And so he didn't really want to have kids with me. He yeah. was just going to go get a younger person and just start a family. And that's basically what he did. No kidding. And he had been in the relationship with the girl for three years before I even knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so you two just had never even talked about kids that other than the... Not really, because the truth is he was gone all the time, yeah. right? I mean, we never really, like, I didn't really even know for sure that he wanted kids. First of all, I didn't know if he would be a really good father because he had a lot of, you know, temper problems, yeah. and emotional problems, and um, stuff like that. But he was really excited when I did get pregnant. Yeah. But when I had to go and have the DNC because they thought it was tubular and all of that, he really just kind of was like, kind of looked at me like I was damaged property and it was just uh. like by that time he was like I'm just he was already in a relationship with this other person who he's married to now yeah. and has two kids with right and it was about three years before you even knew huh mm-hmm. and so this was so now so you both came back to San Diego though yeah we both came back and he said later when I figured when I when I realized what his jig was uh-huh. he said well I wanted to get you back home ah fucker <laughs> But he got you back home. Yeah. And, 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 let me point this out here. I'm not, and, and I'm not, I got to live in my grandma's house, which and I'm was not, my dream. Yeah, I'm not defending this guy, believe me. Oh, you don't have to defend him. No, no what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm not defending him, but I want to bring something up. He was the one who sparked you on the whole massage thing. Yep. Which led to, yep. to yoga. Exactly. I think, which for sure led to yoga. And I'll be honest with you, at that point, when her, when him which and I met. Which is interesting. I knew that I was going to have to be with somebody that had gone through a traumatic experience like I had been through because I couldn't you because I couldn't relate to people that didn't understand my trauma. Yeah. My loss, right? So if I met somebody and I dated somebody and they hadn't really dealt with a close person that had passed away that affected them, I knew that that person wasn't my person because yeah. I knew that they would never really understand where I was coming from. James's sister passed away when he was, well, she was 14. He must have been 11. So she was very ill her whole life and had blood transfusions. And at some point, and when she was 14, she passed away. So that also was like, oh, see, I do believe that he's my person because of all of these alignments. And, you know, you're right. And I've totally, and my best friend is because I met him. Like, my best friend lives in Virginia Beach, and she'll be my best friend forever. And we've said this from the beginning that we were old friends from first sight. This, which one is this? Is this Kate? No. Which one? No, Kate was the girl that bought, that bought my got, Okay, got and it. Her name is Tori. Tori, okay. Um, and um, so, no, there's – I am an optimist. It doesn't yeah. mean that – so I'm a truth teller. And when the person that I have given my whole life to and I trust you and I had no idea that he was – I'm going to say he's probably got sociopathic, you know, personality yeah. uh, for sure. He's narcissistic, but I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah. And so it really shocked me. It shocked you. Even though for about a year he was being really mean to me and trying to get me to say, I want a divorce. Right. And he even admitted to that. Yeah. Like, so he was, I honestly believe he was probably thinking about like putting the pillow over my head and just like, you know, 
pretending you actually that, f- you feel oh, that. And some things happened for me to find out yeah. that revealed it. That was really a protection for me, you know. Wow. Know. And so now when you found this out finally, how did you find out? Through an email. Through an email. Yep. So he, this was so where you know that, the, so the internet wasn't that big of a deal then. Right. Right. So we're talking 2007. It was mm-hmm. February 1st, 2007. And he had been acting really weird and had been spending a lot of time in his office. Um, and In his office in the home? Yeah, because we had an, we, it was a three bedroom. So one of the rooms was, we had set it up for an office. Yeah. And he was getting ready to go surfing with Ron, his friend. They were going to go to Costa Rica. It was the first time he'd ever been to Costa Rica. My parents were driving them to the LA uh, airport. That was on the first. So my mom and dad, they must because they we, we had charger tickets. So I think there was a charger game that weekend, and then that Monday or something they were going to drive Ron and him because they still lived in the valley. Yeah. So James was in the office doing something, and he was acting very aggro. And I was like, all right, weirdo. I just wanted him to go. I just wanted him like just get out of the house so I could just have some peace, quiet. And so when he left, he was kind of in a weird state and um he's like okay so i'll see you in a week because he was going to be just be gone for a week i went he goes oh the computer crashed so you're gonna have to reboot it up or something i'm like okay so when i rebooted it up the message he was sending to his colombian girlfriend who Uh. does not speak english back then the emojis were brand new and he must have downloaded an emoji thing and that's what took the computer down but it was a blessing for me yeah because when i reloaded it <clears throat> the message came up and it was in spanish and it was kissy you know blah yeah. blah blah and i was like who the fuck is that yeah completely blown away i could he had his phone off cuz back then we had flip phones we he did. was in the team so yeah. he had he had a phone i mean yeah. he had to have a phone um, he so i couldn't get a hold of him they dropped him off and they they him they flew off and so I emailed him, and he basically responded to me maybe three days later. Well, I regret not communicating better with you. Like it was like a different person. Yeah. And he did not come back for three weeks. He basically, when his trip was over, he flew to Miami to be with his girlfriend, and then eventually came back to to face me. Were you trying to call him in between then, or you just you just dropped it for the time being? What's the, he made it pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a groveler. Yeah. By the time he you got back, like all his shit was packed up and put in the garage. He never came back into the house. That was you, it. You packed up all the stuff. Packed up his shit. Yeah. And so talk to me about. Smashed the camera that he was using because back then he had gotten a oh. camera from work and he was using it to video chat with his girlfriend. Oh. And so I smashed. And back then, you don't, you know, and you're in the military. You were in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, everything that you take gets signed out to you. Yeah, of course. Right? And I didn't effing care. You want to sit in, a, in my house, in my grandparents' bedroom that they slept in their whole yeah. life and video chat with your girlfriend? Fuck you, dude. Yeah. And I smashed it. And he went on and on. So as we went through the divorce, he goes, I really can't believe that you would have. D- I broke that because you know that that's going to reflect badly on you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the no whole point. shit, dude. God, are you really that stupid? And so, D, at this point, because here's a, a part of you that is, <laughs> that I haven't seen. I know. <laughs> and how did you, how did you move on from this? <laughs> well, what do you do? And became so namaste. I was already namaste. Right. Um, (laughs) 
Namaste, bitches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was definitely broken. Brokenhearted. So he ripped my soul out. It's still, I probably would say maybe two years ago, I finally was able to let it go. Really? <clears throat> so now I'm glad this came up, not not because of what happened, but because of people that are watching and listening. Somebody else has gone through this. Sure. There's no question. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yoga was the only time that I didn't hurt. So I took time off. And that was 07. 07. And, and I was already working for Core Power. And you just said that you finally got over this roughly two years ago. Meaning that I was able to heal. Heal. From the trauma. The trauma of the betraying your trust. He basically never treated me like a person after that. To him, I was yeah. just not even, like even looking at me, Yeah, he wasn't even there. He wasn't even looking at me. It was like he got caught. And now he just wants to move on, you know? And yeah. I'm like, hey, talk to me. Like, tell me, what, what, like, why wouldn't you even, like, have a conversation with me? Blah, 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 you know? But he's a mentally messed up person, you know? And, and so that was hard for me because I did trust him. And I right. did love him. You did? Oh, sure. I was, we talked about being, you know, old people on the porch in our, in our chairs plenty of times. Master manipulator. And so, and now that's 07, and you, you, you are already with Core Power Yoga at that point? Yeah, I had started working for Core Power in 2006. So when you came back? Yeah, so when I moved to You were going to look for a studio, right? To open a studio, possibly. No, I didn't want to be an owner because it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And at this point, um, financially, we we're doing pretty well. And I just honestly wanted to be able to have some freedom and maybe teach and figure out. And I still hadn't given up on possibly, like, having a baby yeah or adopting a baby yeah. or something like that right you know um and he just strung me along he never even like you know it, but so so there was a lot that yeah. you know had gone on so when i got back to when i moved back to um san diego and we got settled in i got a little postcard from core power yoga i got a little postcard for core power yoga for the uh two weeks for free yeah and I went, what is this core power yoga? And like I said, that's when the internet where you can Google things come yes. up. So I Googled core power yoga and I looked at their website. I go, oh my God, this is my jam. Yeah. These are my people. They're doing exactly what I was doing. Except for the 90 minute yoga was straight up Bikram and then a 60 minute um, vinyasa class. Yep. Yeah. Drove over to Point Loma because that was the only studio that he had just opened the Point Loma studio, I believe in 2005. Yeah. And came in took my classes talked to Alyssa, which was trevor's girlfriend at the time and another girl Susie. they had come with him to open Susie was from minnesota super sweet awesome human and yeah. she ended up going back to minnesota opening a bunch of studios not not core power but her own yeah um and so by the time i was done with my two weeks the girl that was teaching had been flown in from boston i think chicago and I said, well, who's teaching the hot classes since Becky's not going to be here? And they're like, we don't know. And I go, oh, I'm a Bikram teacher. I had a studio. And Alyssa's like, can you meet can, can you meet Trevor tomorrow? And I'm like, sure. So Trevor met me in the morning. Yeah. He had a little chat with me, gave me the key, said I'll pay a $40 class. Alyssa and I are going to Bali tomorrow. See you later. Bye. <laughs> and he are, you, left. <laughs> are you serious? I'm, 
not kidding. But do you see, I was the perfect person because I had owned a studio. Yes, I knew how to work. Of the, course. We had the same software programs. I knew exactly what I was doing. I'm a grounded, you know, older person. I'm not like some 20 year old that he thinks going to, you know, have a big old raging party while he's gone or yeah. something. And so that's how my, that's how I started working at Carpenter. No way. What a story. Yeah. And that was, you said, 07, 07, 08? No. In no, 06. 06. Let's go back. 06. Yeah. 06. I keep, yeah. keep I want to make sure. I'm, I'm going to my... say it was probably June of 06. Yeah. So I had been in San Diego for a few months before I started to go back to work. And so, and when I came in was 08, because that's when PB opened. PB opened in 08, yeah. Because I had met him 08, that it was right around there in my shop, at, at, at our store at that time. Yeah. I furnished, we furnished one of his first homes on the beach, I think it was. He did have a beat, yeah, but that was later. Wait, I mean, he or, I don't remember he the lived beach. in he lived in uh, Liberty Station originally. Then they moved to Little Italy, okay. but he didn't own that. He was renting those. Okay. He did buy a house, which he died in. Yes, in Point Loma, Sunset in Point Loma. Yeah. And so, okay, so let's now that he's come up, mm -hmm. what happened? What happened, or what's the story here? And for everybody's listening and watching here, Trevor, um, owner of Core Power Yoga, the incredible guy, he just ended up dying in his house. There was a little bit of blood here and there. He had a drug and alcohol problem. <sighs> so he was a severe alcoholic, and he had a severe drug problem. Ah. Yeah. And this was a known thing. Yeah. Everybody knew it. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and he so fell, he started fell down, hit his he, head. As you said, his energy was incredible. Incredible, and so he'd always been like that. Yeah, and he's a very ambitious person. Yes. So super ambitious. Comes from a, a pretty well-off family. Grew up in Tell Telluride. Um, was really um, just a kid that always had a lot of ambition and would just like you know when when uh, jet skis would became popular or whatever, he would buy a, a group of them and then rent them out. Like yeah. he just knew how to hustle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he just would had an unending energy. So apparently way back from when he was young, he drank a lot. Yeah. Um, Cause he, from where I knew, well, from what I knew of him, he was a blackout drunk. And a lot of times he would start talking in like tongues because of the meds. Wow. So he he must, and I don't know what his medication um, thing was, but he was definitely on meds. I know that he liked my least favorite thing. Yes. Um, yeah. And so he had went into sober living for quite uh, not sober living, in and out of of uh, rehab, so, mm -hmm, and really wanted to, really wanted to. But by that time, his liver and everything was not well. And if you know anybody who's a really severe alcoholic, yeah. and they've been on like you know a handle of booze yeah and that's their normal right then when you take them off of it it's very detrimental and very hard yeah and he never could quite stay sober mm. and that friday night saturn was conjunct the sun which is a very detrimental thing yeah and he had gone out he, I guess he must have had play. You know, he met a lot of people. At, of like, uh, you know, and that's yeah. how he got a lot of people to come in because he would sit at the bar and just the nicest, funniest, easy, you know, smart person. And so he must have had a place that he would go because I know a lot of people stopped serving him because they uh. they wanted to support his sobriety. And 
This is what I know is that he came home late that night um, in an Uber, um, a fancy Uber because yeah. that's how he rolls. Of course. And his neighbor saw him get out and fall into the bushes. And it was uh, right before Christmas, so it was maybe a couple weeks before Christmas. And then he finally got into his house. He has he had Frenchies. He loved his French bulldogs, and he had two of them at that time. And they were in the backyard because when he had gone out, he must have put them out. So when he came in, we don't really know what happened, but it looks like what happened was he he fell. Yeah. And he hit his face, so then his teeth came out. Then he fell, and he hit his head. He tried to stop the bleeding, so he had kind of gone. This was a brand new house that he yeah, had just finished. I know, I remember. So he went kind of through all the different rooms, trying to figure out like, how am I gonna, you know, stop this? And they found him on the floor. He had yeah. bled out. Ugh. I know it breaks my heart. <sighs> I remember. I remember hearing about that. I was so bummed. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, because he was such a good dude. Yep. Great energy. Great guy. So, and he really wanted to. So when we first met, we talked about, you know, our why and stuff. Cause yeah. he was like, Hey, do you want to open more studios and blah, blah, blah. I go, not really. I'd rather not right now. Anyway, I yeah. really just want to teach and whatever. And we talked about, you know, like profit margins and his idea to have a whole bunch of them, because yeah. obviously if you have one <clears throat> grocery store, right. it's only a half a percent, but if you have 150 of them, yep. you know, and so that was his plan. He came to yoga through an injury. Um, he had, he was a, he fell and he effed up his uh, his ankle and he had to have a bunch of surgery so he wasn't able to do his regular fitness stuff and he started and because he's a businessman he would travel so he started going to hot yoga Bikram yeah. yoga and he went to all these different studios and he thought you know what if you would if people would just standardize like take all the good parts yeah and put it into one this thing would be a gold mine and that's what he did okay so I'm glad you brought that up because I've talked to yoga yogis that kind of put core power yoga down. Yeah. Saying it's not like real yoga. What's real yoga? What's your response to that? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't <laughs> have time for that shit, you know? It's not real yoga. What do you mean? You've heard that. Like, oh, the music and uh, this, that, and the other. You know, that's not actually real yoga. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know what I'm talking about. I though. know what you're talking about, and that's just a really ignorant statement. Yeah. Because I get it, because I came from a more traditional yogic background. Yeah. But if you can get people to get in there and practice, people that would have never come. Right. Who are you? What do you mean? It's not real yoga. Yoga means to yoke. Yeah. Yeah, give me. So it's not real yoga. Oh, we're not yoking in here. Is that it? We're not yoking enough. So yeah. it's not real yoga. Yeah. What a bunch of crap. No, it's definitely a more modern less yeah. traditional, you know, form of yoga. But the word yoga means to yoke, meaning so that to, you, what so that yoking mean? means to bring your body, mind, spirit into one energy field. So instead of it be like you keep your brain over here and your, you know, your body over here and your spiritual side only in church. Yeah. To yoga, the word yoga means that you are yoking, right? Y-O-K-E, yoke, like, yep. the, like the yolk yep. of an egg. Right. You're bringing it together. That's what it means. And yoga is a, is a philosophy. Asana is one tiny part of the philosophy of yoga. So if someone says it's not real yoga, then maybe it's not real yoga to them. Yeah. You know, just like maybe love to me isn't love to them. It doesn't matter. It's perception and perspective. But 
I mean, I get it that at some point it was definitely, you know, try to get people in there, sign up for teacher training, get their money, get them through teacher training, and then push yeah. them back out because there's really not a space for you to teach yoga here. So I get it that people could have a uh, stick up their butt about it. Yeah, because, rubbed the wrong way. Yeah, but I mean, as far as it's not being real yoga... I don't even know I what think, that means to me personally. I'm just some, that's why someone I said that's, it's a ridiculous statement. Yeah, to me it's like <laughs> because yo the word yoga means to yoke. Yoga is a philosophy. It has all these different limbs and all these. So asana is what we do in the room. Yeah, a posture. Yes, that's asana, right? So if someone says that they they might just who knows? I and, don't know. And so um, speak to something real quick because I've when I told some of my my new Christian friends that I'm going to yoga, they were like, oh, well, you know, that group meditation thing, you got to be careful. Have you heard this before? Sure. Where you can let spirits in or something like that, or what do you say to that stuff? Like where it's like, oh, you got to kind of be careful when you're in a group meditation type thing. How do you feel about that? Because you're going to let spirits in? I, I don't know. I have no idea, actually. So. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about, uh, yeah. though? Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> Religion was made by men. Okay. Okay. So, and it's a doctrine of things that were written by people, right? By men, by right. humans. Yeah. So, I, that's why I'm not really, really sold in my religion, yeah. right? Yeah. Is because you because it's something was written down oh are we new testament old testament oh oh well you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's not written in stone and if you are a weak person and you so hmm, because because you can be affected by spirits yes at church correct <laughs> you know i mean i could get negative vibration from some pedophile priest and so, because you've talked about how God, how you never doubt God in the beginning, right? And this is just me genuinely asking these questions yeah. because I'm new to Christianity, my journey right now, my faith journey. And I know that I, for sure, God's a thing for me now. Like I'm a vessel, like you said, a vessel. Very God's always been a thing for you. It's just now you're just yes. a little bit more open to the actual relationship. hundred percent. God's never left you. 100%. Yeah. And just like your angels have never left you, they weren't not there. You just didn't want to be part of that energy. And yeah. they respect that. They're like, when you're ready. Yeah. Hence the reason why that other gal was talking about when she would have like really low moments is when she would reach out. That's usually what people, that's when we have our spiritual awakening. You know, I mean, some people don't have to, you know, go face down into the concrete before they're going to say, God, please help me. But a lot of people's stories is that they hit rock bottom yes. before they were able to let God in and, you know, use that vibration that has always been there, that has always protected you, that always. has always guided you, whether you were aware of it or not. Whether you're aware of it or not, whether you, but what, if, what about those that don't believe in that? It's still there? They don't, the angels don't care that you believe in them or not. Yeah. They, they're there for you no matter what. If you don't believe in them, they don't doesn't they don't love you less. This is even the atheists that just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. 
you have a you have a right to your own belief system. Right. Doesn't mean that there aren't other realms that are there to help support you and protect you. And so wrap this up now. We're so give me yoga here because I want to stamp this in because I love yoga, especially hot yoga. Like you said, it's it's a drug. And I can tell you right now, and I, I and I, I sit, literally every time I come out of there, and I'll be, I'll talk. I usually because I call my mom on the way to work, on the way home, my wife. We talk. I've told them both. It's the hardest thing that I have ever done in my entire life is that hot yoga. It's brutal. Like it's, I'm fight or flight. 15, 20 minutes in. Seriously, I know. I want to run out of the room. Yeah. And say this is absolutely ridiculous and shove my head in the ice cold water. <laughs> I Seriously. Know. I know. It's. <laughs> brutal it's the hardest you're, all the you're preaching to the choir yeah dead, <laughs> deadlifts squats competing football baseball wrestling boxing go down the list hot yoga is the most difficult challenging thing i've ever done yeah but because it's I, just you and you there's no distraction it's un because and like you said in that room when you're in freaking hot yoga you have no you can't even think of anything else you can, but it's not going to serve no. you very well. Unbelievable, yeah. right? Know. Yeah. So give me, wrap this. because So the, the heat, it, so Bikram started, so it's so funny how it's become such a phenomenon, but Bikram decided to heat up a room because he lives in Calcutta. In Calcutta, it is hot cold. and is humid. No, ah, it's, hot. it's hot. Okay. And humid. Very hot, very humid. So when he moved to Los Angeles and was doing yoga in office buildings where it was air conditioned, he said, can we turn the air conditioning off and turn the heater on? Because he wanted to emulate the same environment ah. of where he practiced yoga. So that's how the hot yoga that's thing how it started. started. And that's why, it. and do you feel hot is better than not hot or is so if you just think about depends? The, if you think about the history of heat and how um, ancient um, civilizations have used heat as a, as a healing element. Yeah. So a sweat lodges. Um, the Japanese have always used like the, the, the steam and the heat, the Chinese, the, you know, all of the ancient yep. um, civilizations have been using heat for thousands of years as a healing vibration. So that is why mm. the heat kind of takes us to our knees. It's healing. There's nothing you can, t t you can't, you can't say that it's not. Right. Right. Now for some people, and I say this pretty often to new people, if you walked in and you told me, I don't really like to be hot. I really hate being hot. I don't want to be in a jacuzzi. I don't like saunas. I would say, then this is not for you because yeah. you will hate it. You will not, because there are people that you're more, so you know your dynamic, like your, your chemistry. There are people that just really wouldn't do well in a heated environment. Maybe they are blonde haired, blue eyed, very small frame, very, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they, they get hot easy, you know? Yeah. So that wouldn't serve them. They don't like it. They are like, I'd rather take my thumb and shove it in my eyeball than show up and get in a room that's even 85 degrees, let alone a hundred and you know five a hundred and ten whatever it is yeah. so the heat is used as a healing element and always has the physical movement of asana are also ancient postures that create balance and opening in your meridians right so in, in chinese medicine 
uh, it works with lines of energy that are called meridians. And so all of our internal organs are connected to different meridian lines. Well, when you're in doing physical yoga and you're in postures, it's compressing, stretching, strengthening. And so what you're doing is you're clearing out the old, like the age, like as we we get older, as we live every day and the food that we eat and the water we're drinking and the way we're sleeping, all of this can create um, like, uh, like what's stag the word? Stagnant yeah, energy. Stagnant energy. Exactly. Yeah. Stagnation. Yes. Um, dead energy, dead yeah. blood. The physical form of yoga breaks it up and moves it out. So yeah, it's bringing you back into more of a, of a, of a health of your optimal health. Right. It's cause, cause uh, and whether you're in the heat or not, I don't feel nearly as good until I'm doing yoga on a regular basis. Yes. I'm more flexible. I can walk better. My knees feel better. Everything feels better. You also get an opportunity to let go of thoughts that you know do not serve you. You also get an opportunity to sweat out all the toxins. Toxins, yes. Right. So it's a it's a it's a it's a bunch of things. It's not just one thing, and it's not hot yoga is not for everybody. But I believe yoga, physical asana practice, and philosophy of yoga is appropriate for humans if they are. If if that's something that they, you know, yeah. are, are ready to receive because any commitment, you know, it takes, it takes willpower. It yeah. takes drive. Yeah. You know, it takes a determination and, and it comes in different ways. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's so freaking brutal, like brutal, but I know that on the other side of it is the most incredible feeling you can possibly imagine. Yeah, very euphoric. It's very euphoric. And right afterwards, I go into the bathroom and I take an ice cold shower for like 10 minutes. And you know, that's super healthy too. Absolutely. Oh, I've so, studied the whole yeah, hot, hot, cold the therapy. Heat, heat, cold, yeah. Really good. Because you can do too much hot yoga. You can be in the heat too much. You can right. deplete yourself. So, you know, there are people that do everything in excess. And so... Exactly. You know. So I live for that scenario right yeah. there, the, the cold. Okay. I love actually having someone come in and go, say to me, well, I've never done yoga, but I, uh, I'm i a marathon runner or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool, awesome. And then they go in there and they're just like, you know, <laughs> reduced, <laughs> reduced to rubble. Rubble. And then they're like, that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't know how fit I am. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I said, I know. Well, it just meets you where you're at and what you need, you know, and all of that. So. And now why is it majority women? Let's answer that question. I actually have a lot of guys in my class. Yeah, but it's majority women. Mm, Minimum 70%. Now it's getting to be much more balancing. You do have a I'm lot of guys. When I got into your class, that whatever it was. I noticed there was more men than I had normally seen, but in other classes, normally it's seventy to eighty percent women. I think it depends on what time you come and what teacher it is. And is this um, an ego thing? Now, now, mind you, you got to realize that I'm a grown woman and I'm a very straightforward. Yeah. You know, so men come to me because they know that I'm not going to go, ooh, ah, I'm just going to give it to you, real, you yeah. know, the real deal. And yeah. Be like, yeah. put your toes there and make sure your knees there and. You know, so I do have a tendency to bring in. I have a reputation of having a lot of hot guys in my class. <laughs> but pun intended or? Take yeah. it how you want. 
right? And it's the truth. People, yeah. which I don't even, not even aware of it. Yeah. And people were really like, oh yeah, all the girls were like, you got to go to D's class. That's where all the hot guys oh, are. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, really? Well, I guess, okay. Yeah, I, I guess so. I get that. And back when I lived in Virginia, I would have platoons come yeah. and take. And brand new, never been, never been taking yoga. And it would be funny to watch these people that are highly trained stand on one foot. And they were all over the place. Right. And I would relate it to what they can relate to. And I go, hey, take a moment. You're at the shooting range. You're ready to shoot at your target. That's where you need to be. And it would be like, uh, and everyone would be like, Whoa. yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. That was cool. You just have to bring it to where they can understand That's what great. level, right? Because someone will, I'm not flexible. You don't need to be flexible. I have a hurt knee. Well, we can work around it, you know? So I don't, I think that there's a lot more men that come than what used to come. And uh, I can tell you this, I, I'm shocked at what I can do. Like when I'm balancing in these freaking poses with my leg up behind my head. What's right. that one called? The, the leg behind the head thing? You're talking about standing bow. Standing bow boy. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's the first few back. It's like a nightmare for me. But then when I get it in, it comes right above the head. I'm looking at myself going, I can't believe I'm doing this it's right now. It's a standing, balancing, backward bending pose. It's un where you grab your foot behind yeah. you and it comes up in the mirror above your head. And yeah. I get to that point. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen me. Oh, yes, I have. Are yeah. you are, is are you, are you pretty amazed that a meathead this big can do that no, stuff? No, because I understand the body and I know that this it, you're even though you're very muscular, you still have a lot of flexibility in your joints. You're less um, meatheady <laughs> than you were before. I think I am? you're yeah, because back in the when you first started yeah. to come, yeah. you were definitely more of a like you were you were bigger. You think so? Don't you think? I don't think so. No, Are you sure? I think so. I think I was fatter. Okay, well, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. You were being I so bigger, nice. Bigger. She was being more meatheady. <laughs> you were she. She was being nice, but she was actually meant. I was fatter. I love that. That's great because yeah, I was fatter. There's no question. Now I'm definitely leaner than you're I was lean. then. You're leaner. Yeah. And that's what I said to you when I saw you. Go, you look like you've leaned up a lot. Yeah. And you said I have. As long as you didn't say I was skinny. No, you're not skinny. <laughs> okay, so let's, we're going to land the plane now. Okay. So your story is incredible. You've gone through some incredibly unbelievable things. And your, your divorce and that whole situation was rough. What has carried you through in your life, I always now I'd like to finish my podcast by talking about the why. What what has been your why? And along the way, did it change? Has your why always been the same since early on around the Saturn thing, which is around twenty eight to thirty, right? I'm using her terminologies here. Now I just learned that today. And then what's driven you to where you are now to the what you the difference that you make in people's lives? Give me your why, and has it changed along the way? It has changed along the way, and I'm going to say in probably like 2012. Um, so I've done, you know, I've been connected to this angelic realm and spirituality and, you know, all these kind of weird things, and I keep it private and don't really talk about it. Yep. Until today. 
and well, no, I because I because I started to talk about it when I started teaching class because mm. um, a mentor of mine said you don't bring your whole self. Like when I talk to you having coffee or having dinner, you always talk about the most incredibly like state of the art, um, you know, energies that are happening or whatever. You always have these really interesting ideas and conversations, but you don't bring that in when you teach. So I started to, meaning I was very, I'm really good at like breaking down the asana, the posture and really sticking with like helping people get to like a good place for them, but not going to blow, you know, like the angelic thing in your face. And I was having my angels. It could have been Barb, but I don't know what it was. They were saying, hey, we really want you to do some kind of an intro into the guardian angel idea today. Mm. Now, this is when I'm getting ready to teach my class in Point Loma. And it's a full class. It's my Friday 1230 that I used to teach. And I silently say, no, I'm not going to. Like, I just want to teach and go home. It's been a long week. And they're like, no, Dee, we need you to talk about it. And I go about my way. And they're still, like, basically saying, just keep it simple whatever and so i go all right fine fuck you know and i'm like um you know i want to talk briefly about guardian angels and the idea that everybody has a guardian angel and that your guardian angel you might have more but they won't intervene unless you ask them and i had a brand new lady in class you said that in the beginning in the beginning it was while i was teaching so it was maybe like i don't know maybe halfway through because the angels had been tormenting me and i was like okay fine and i had a new person I had a new person and I'm her, I'm going to, I don't remember her name. I'm going to say her name was Anne and she was an older lady, older than me. And she was new to yoga. And so I'm talking about all this and I have a regular person, Jennifer, a person who comes to my class all the time. And I'm talking about the angels and, and you know, however we all have them and blah, blah, blah. And it could even be a relative that had passed away is connected to you and will, will help you and will be there. And I go, great job, Anne. And I keep going the end of class, Jennifer comes up to me in tears. She said, Dee, you don't know this, but my mom passed away when I was four years old and her name is Anne. Oh my gosh. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and they were like, see, you're so obstinate because I want to be like, just leave me alone. I just want to be in my private world. And they're like, no, you need to share. You need to open up. You need to help these people. You need to help these people. And so that was so a break. So that you, was a breakthrough for you, me. You have a prophetic gift. Yeah, I do. And so and that's how you ended up on this podcast face to face with me because you said something that I had said the day prior on my podcast that I haven't heard anybody say and you literally said the same thing. And I was like, "What the heck?" What I said was when we are born, every single human being knows at some point that we are going to die. You are not a human being on this planet, in this life, not with the awareness that there is an expiration date. So why don't you pretend and act, right, as if maybe tomorrow won't be another day? That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, did you hear what she just said? Act as if there's no tomorrow. Because what if you what if you knew there wasn't a tomorrow? How would you live today? Because we aren't promised that. Right. I could not wake up in the morning. Correct. Right. I mean, so why not really be so excited about all of the gifts that we have, 
all of the people that are in our lives that create so much joy like everything that you love so then like i would would say like do you like to dance do you like music do you like animals do you like to run well go do it i mean we just spent like a year and a half sitting on our asses yeah. you know like why are you like you know like oh until then then i can do that right. no go live like it, it there is no tomorrow that's the number one thing everybody says and well don't do coke Okay. <laughs> there it is. The final message. Well, that was my message. In don't the class. do Coke. And that was my message in the class where I was like, Hey, you don't know. So pick, so pick good, good things. Yeah. Like if you knew that tomorrow wasn't there, is that how you would want to spend your last day? Yeah. I don't think so. Cause it feels icky. It's a crappy feeling. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. So 14 years ago, Pacific beach, this big, um, fat meathead, your words. Your wife came with you that day. No, she didn't. She didn't come in the door to not. sign you up? No. No. I went solo. It was a solo mission. Okay. 14 years ago to the day. I know that she came. She, she did. She's the one you. who, she's the one who, um, we met Trevor and then, you know, she referred me or we referred each other. Oh, that's right. Cause you guys came in and you told me and she even told me that yeah. Trevor had come that's in. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So 14 years ago, first class ever D I was in core power one at that time. If I walked up and you said, D, by the way, someday we just met, you're going to be in my podcast room. You're going to be sharing your life story so that we can change thousands and thousands of lives that hear your story. Would you have believed me? Probably. Probably. You're probably right. <laughs> D, it's been such a pleasure. This was amazing. You guys got to see us get to know each other on film live. Um, D, Hayes, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Real deal talk, baby. Uh, Namaste. Namaste.